Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Straight out of the burbs of L.A., this is So I Married a Movie Geek. It's Sexy September, everybody. Do you know what that means? It's time for So I Married a Movie Geek with Justin Winters, Chrissy McQueen, and somebody really special. It is the one and only Grey Drake, everybody. And she makes amazing trumpet noises. (laughs) That's really why we had her on the podcast tonight. Not just because we love her, but because (laughs) the trumpet noises. Exclusively the trumpets. I get it. It was on your resume. And I was like, that's the one. We need to have her on. Right right next to ninja skills. (laughs) Ninja skills first, then trumpet noises. (laughs) Justin, how many times have we had Grey on in the past? I think we've had Grey on two or three times in the past. Yeah. I don't remember. So it's been like five or six years. A million years. Old. Now Gray is like senior editor at Rotten Tomatoes. Is that Indeed, your title? I am. Yeah. I'm so proud. I know. I feel like we're sitting <laughs> with a famous. Person. I'm so proud of you. We've really come a long way on this journey. Seriously, every time I see Gray, whether I, I number one, I think she's the best junket interviewer in town, <laughs> Thank and you. I, I strongly no, agree with no, that. I don't think it. If you don't know Gray's work as a junket interviewer, go to her any of her Ryan Gosling interviews. She's got a Kristen Bell interview where she makes her eat mar- put a bunch of marshmallows in her mouth. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, I'm so I'm so proud. Every time I see Gray, I'm like, she's amazing at this. I'm so proud I know her. We want to collectively be Gray. Like, basically, we want to somehow do some sort of amorphous body swap and like become Gray. You know what? I uh I, right when I started doing the the interviews i was like i do not know how long this job will last and when they will hire me (laughs) ever again um the first time cnn booked me to do a movie review i was like could be the first and last time this ever happens and some something that i am very very connected to is just that idea of like act as though it's your last one you're ever going to do and yes. you want to go out with a bang sometimes literally just kidding and <laughs> so, so it's so it's it's fun that way because junket interviews are brutal for the interviewee uh they are sometimes not very great for us either they're like kind of it seems glamorous and it's definitely not like building a brick wall for a living, right? The, there are people that have harder slash much more important jobs. Sometimes this job super sucks, though. And you're and so it's like it's not curing cancer, guys. Let's just have Kristen Bell stuff. Marshall, yeah, nobody's gonna it? die on the table. Yeah, but if you watch Gray's interviews, these junk interviews, you usually see the celebrities their their eyes light up when they see it's gray and they're just they're like we get to have fun this is amazing she's not asking the same exact question i've heard fifty thousand times it looks like they're actually enjoying themselves and sometimes i i feel like they're it's like paint drying that you look at them and they're just like oh my god i can't i'm gonna lobotomize Uh, myself with this fork and then they see gray and it's like party on (laughs) well because i usually like i i definitely have like a go-to thing as i walk in a room which is generally because I get nervous just like everybody else, or I'm I'm super excited because I'm talking to people who have affected my life. I love movies. I love their work. 
I don't know how they act. I don't know how they direct. I don't know how they do it. Like I technically understand it, but I'm, I can't do it. And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Cause I mean, like I talked to Meryl Streep a couple few weeks ago and it's like, there is no acting person in the world like Meryl Streep right now. Like think about this. No matter what piece of trash she is in, which happens very rarely, we still always say, but Meryl was great. She was great. <laughs> we're cool with giving her an Oscar nomination for like a terrible movie like Ricky and the Flash. Like we're fine with it. She didn't get one that year, but I mean, she could have. Mamma Mia. Same thing. Same thing. And so can I tell you guys that story really quick? Because I love that story. Regale us. Oh my God. I love Meryl Streep so much. So I love her and I walk in to the junket and I have been traveling and I barely even know what city I'm in and uh, they have cut me from her list. I've been cut. And I was like, I would never have come. Do you know what my name is? <laughs> Don't you know what the fucking Rotten Tomatoes are? We I, rule this town. I, I wish. I wish that I could say things like that. And actually, it's really funny because there's not one person I could think of that doesn't have like their own daytime talk show that's not Ellen <laughs> that could act like that. So anyways, uh, they were like, you know what? It's nothing personal. She cut half the outlets. You're one of them. It just is. So I was like, wow, I have put myself out. I've traveled here. I'm exhausted. I wish I were home. And and the only reason for doing this junket has just cut me. So that is terrible. And I thought, you know what? Hugh Grant's still here. So this is going to be great. So just focus on Hugh Grant. Don't give these people static. And Hugh Grant was mean to me. <gasps> fuck you, Hugh Grant. I know. Fuck Hugh. See, ever going to listen to this? Because if so, fuck you, Hugh Grant. I figured it was because I have a lifetime of loving him behind me and it's like kind of beaming out of my chest area like a Care Bear stare and it's like hitting him and it was like too much for him to physically handle and he's definitely like super British and like very uncomfortable just to begin with and so my sheer American passion for him was like not it was short-circuiting him like he was like some kind of robot that needed oil my understanding is that, first of all, Hugh Grant is a fan of passion. So I don't know what to tell you there. One would think if one had seen Notting Hill that, yes, he was a fan of passion. If you can't give him another child, you don't matter to him. I mean, he's got like six or seven now by several different baby uh, mamas. Those lucky, lucky, lucky little bundles. So he was of an joy. asshole to you. He wasn't nice. Um, he Ugh. was tolerating me. And I know when I'm being tolerated. And I was unable to really win him over, which is a new experience for me because generally people, if if wary of me in the beginning, like John Goodman, for for, for instance, they they quickly understand. It's like, no, this, this lunatic really is just excited to see me. And so I'm going to be nice to this person because they probably are just on leave from the mental institution. <laughs> for sure. I mean, why wouldn't you be nice to a crazy person who means well? And so, and so <laughs> be nice to Gray. She thinks this is real life. <laughs> exactly. It's like, so, you know, they're like, oh, obviously she's like a make a wish and I should like be cool to her. Hugh Grant didn't get that memo. So anyway, I he doesn't give a shit about make a wish. One of the two. So I was, you know, I was bummed out because I was like, okay, well, that went 
not great. And now I'm not talking to Meryl Streep. And Simon Helberg in Florence Foster Jenkins, he's delightful. He's a nice guy. He's a great interview. And so I'm sitting with my producers eating sad bacon, right? And I just hear a voice behind me. Gray, could you please follow me to Meryl's room? And I like, I don't gasp. And I like left the bacon like spinning midair. Do you know? Like it was like, you know, the witch's hairpins in the Looney Tunes cartoons when she like dashes away. Yes. (laughs) And that's what happened as I was like running down the hallway. I was like barreling street. The 90s reference for you millennials out there. But it's amazing. (laughs) And so when I came into the room with Meryl Streep, I was, they were like, Meryl, this is gray. And I was working for epics on TV at the time. They, this is gray from epics. And I, and I said, right. And I'm also the senior editor of Rotten Tomatoes. And the thing is, Meryl Streep has had a lot of criticisms of Rotten Tomatoes for our lack of female critics. And we had a conversation about it. Oh. And it was nice because she was like, oh, you're senior editor of Rotten you Tomatoes. Have a vagina. <laughs> right. And I was like, yes. And you're a 19 time Academy Award nominee, <laughs> Meryl Streep. She was absolutely delightful, couldn't have been a nicer person. And so I really liked the movie. I think that it's really inspiring. It was such a feel-good film. And she, so I was like, I want to be like Florence every day. And part of <laughs> part of that for me is right now in this moment wearing a tiara. And she was like, oh my God, I love it. And I'm reaching down into a bag and I said, well, listen, I don't want you to feel left out. So in the off chance you want to wear a tiara with me, I've got a tiara. And I said, but don't feel obligated because I get, you know, it's like they have their hair done or whatever. And she goes, she's like a tiara. Oh, I haven't worn one in days. (laughs) And she's like, I'd love to wear it. And so I I hold both of them up and I said, well, which one do you want? And she went, the bigger one. (laughs) I mean, clearly 19 times. With the implied being, you dumbass. And I was, so I was laughing. And she, I, she could not have been a more warm, friendly, funny, insightful person. She's very intelligent. It's such a joy to talk to someone like that, who you want to hear talk about other things Mm -hmm. aside from the role they just played. Like she's really a delight. And I was so excited when I left that room. I was so excited. I was like on the streets of New York and I was with my producers from Epics and they were like, we've never seen you like this. And I'm like doing like air guitar (laughs) and I'm like, you get a tiara and you get a tiara. And I'm just yelling. Wait a minute. Did you you sing on stage for this uh, thing? Were you one of the the movie critics that sang on stage? I wasn't (gasps) one. No, I would have loved to. I stay right next to Carnegie Hall in a hotel nearby all the time. And I'm always like, oh, I wish I could have been there doing that no instead of taking me somewhere and help letting me do stuff i show up to these interviews and and i'm out two tiaras because i gave meryl streep both of them so (laughs) poor you gray drake poor you she she wanted to i i offered her her tiara and i was like you're welcome to keep that if you like i wouldn't she goes you have made a little girl very happy and i was assuming she meant like a granddaughter and then she went oh my god i have two and i went no 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 take take mine and she was like, uh, really? Are you sure? And I went, of course. I have a shitload of these at home. And she leaned into me and she looks at me like Meryl Streep looks at people in movies. And she goes, I figured you would. <laughs> you know what's going to happen now? Next time you see her at a junkie, you'll be like, where's where's my tiara? Meryl yeah, Streep? right. It's like, where, where's, where, where is it? Here's to- a better. How do you top that? Next time you see Meryl, like, so last time it was tiaras and this time it's what? Well, and that's an interesting 
point because I, I mean, a lot of the great opportunities that I've had and the crazy things that I've done is like, that's sort of every people's that's question. Your well, it's like people's question. It's like, well, how do you ever get better than this? And the thing is, it's like, I always try to be as Zen as humanly possible for like a white woman that lives in Los Angeles that doesn't know anything about Buddhism could be. And it's not about like topping it. It's about doing something that's true to the material. It's about finding what I care about in the movie or, or about that person and doing something that makes me happy. And that is how you end up kind of upping the ante because it's just like if your heart's in the right zone and you're doing something because it's fun and it feels right and you think somebody's going to like have one like brief spot of joy in their life because of it, it's like that's how you do it. So that brings up a question I want to ask you. So you had a Ryan Gosling interview where you presented him a a dish towel, a dish towel that had pictures of Ryan Gosling all over it (laughs) that a woman had created an Etsy store. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My question is, I loved his reaction, number one, but number two, has the woman said, thank you so much for giving me all this Etsy store (laughs) business. Yeah, yeah. Well, that so that on YouTube is Ryan Gosling. um, It's something like get scared of a dish towel or something like that. So Google it. It is one of my favorites because his reaction was so priceless. Our our Gangster Squad interview was going nowhere fast. He could not have wanted to talk about the movie less than he was. And the thing about him is that he's so charming. He's so smart. He has such a great sense of humor, but he's withholding. And that's why kind of inward. And that's why we all find him so intriguing because he really does not reveal everything for you to see. But when he like just cracks the door open, you're like, ah, and you you see like rainbows shooting (laughs) and then he closes it. And you're like, God, Ryan Gosling, I just love you to pieces. Like every time I've talked to this guy, he's amazing. And I love, I, and so he got, he, he laughed when I pulled that dish towel out. Cause I was like, well, you know what? This interview's going nowhere. I might as well pull out the dish towel. And I had just owned it. I, I wasn't even going to interview him when I bought it. I thought it was hilarious. And I bought it and he liked it and was, the the key in that video when you watch it is that he did not get creeped out and he did not send me subliminal signals to stop because he very clearly could have been oh, like, absolutely. this is awkward. I hate this. Get and this he, dish towel on my face. Instead, literally, there was something about him that there are certain people that just make me want to fuck with them. And he is one of those people. He was encouraging me. And I was like, well, it's on because you're not stopping me and you're clearly into it. So I'm just going to keep and I'm like torturing him. I was like, look at your face. And I'm like pointing out all the different versions of him. And he's (laughs) and he's giggling. He was like he like he like couldn't keep himself together. It was so great. And everybody. The other trick is when you're in these rooms you have a camera crew, you have the people's publicists, you've had like, there are a ton of people in the room. Everyone is laughing, right? They're not even bothering to cover it up. And that's when I know that I've really hit gold because if they're not even bothering to be quiet, then it's like, you are doing well. So everybody's laughing. He's mortified, but he's still looking and he's like responding to me. So that video blew up and her Colleen's it's dear Colleen on Etsy she lives in New Zealand her store blew up and she contacted me immediately and was like oh my god I can't believe you gave him the towel 
It was so cool. And she's, it's, it's been a whole different experience for her since then. And she's, she's super cool. She actually sent me another towel that she makes with Colin Firth. Oh my God. I didn't even think about it. It's like Sean Bean, Colin Firth, and Hugh Grant, I think, on the towel. I think she's sending you nothing but towels once a week, every week. She's like, exactly. Who do you got? On the junket this week, Gray. But Gray, you missed it then. You should have had the Hugh Grant tell. Oh, God. And then see, he'd be your bestie. And, and that would have been an example of someone that is like, dear God, no stop. Could we get her out of the room? But that almost makes it better. Considering that he was already kind of a dick to you, you just keep going. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, what? Oh, governor, does this make you feel fancy? Well, because you know what? When I, when I realized I wasn't talking to Meryl Streep and I had two tiaras, I was like, well, maybe I could make it funny if I if I do the bit with Hugh instead and tell Hugh about how I want to wear a tiara, all he had to do was walk past me in that hotel hallway for me to go, nope, can't do it. You got to feel it out. And you have to, it's like, you just have to go with your gut. If somebody's not going to dig it, you have to abandon ship at, at all costs. Cause it, you'll get kicked out of the room. You could get banned if you make the ultimate wrong move. You know what I mean? Ooh, like it can go yeah. beyond Depending Aren't on there shades of gray as to what the no pun intended <laughs> as to what the ultimate bad move might be. Oh, absolutely no question. But it's really how the talent responds because if the talent is so not into whatever you're pulling, because everybody now is like, oh, in a viral video, and <laughs> so they do stupid stuff. But most of the time, it's like they they choose poorly, and it's, it has nothing to do with the movie, or it makes the talent feel embarrassed, or you. I have never, ever, I have had a couple of times people not be into it and I just move on. It's like, you just, you just keep going. That's so rare. Uh, but mostly people are like, oh, I could be dumb about this and have a good time and it's still properly promoting my film. So I tend to get away with a lot more than most people do because I don't ever just, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger yelled at me one time. That's a whole other story. Arnold? Yeah, he didn't like what I had thought of. Uh, and he's he was so mean to me that his publicist followed me out and were like, oh, we love Rotten Tomatoes so much. Like, we're really sorry about that. They were apologizing for him. And then you're like, bitch, you're getting lots of splats now. I was like, I go, oh, well, you know, rest assured that at least the audience score is high. That might be the best comeback ever to him being a douche to you, it was by the way. So, so, anyway. so great. Now that we've buttered you up, <clears throat> it was, I think it was perfect foreplay for two. I could butter her bread all night. Let's two, <laughs> two sexual thrillers that we wanted to talk about this week. So, we've talked a lot. Wait. We've talked, we've talked about a lot of action movies. No, Chrissy, I've got the mic. I've got the mic. I'm just asking, what the hell? By the way, just in case you guys don't know, we are sharing a mic because Gray has one mic. We have one because we are not audio geniuses that can figure out three mics at one time. And because we have two small children and never have time for intimacy, this is the closest we've been in like forever. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so these movies are probably pretty hard for you guys to watch then. So oh my speak. gosh. I was so turned on, Gray. I, I mean... Jesus, I don't know what movies you were watching. Seriously. All right, so this week we watched, um, keeping with the theme of usually movies Chrissy's never seen before, we watched Basic Instinct and Color of Night. 19- I can't even say it without laughing. Right? 
by the way, so he goes, we're going to watch Basic Instinct. And I go, great. I mean, obviously, I've never seen that, but I've kind of always wanted to. And I've heard there's a lot of things. So cool. And he's like, and Color of Night. I'm like, the what? Is that what like the what? color purple? The who? Nope. All right. Cool. Whatever you say. Yeah. And Basic Instinct, 1992. And then Color Night, 94? 94, yeah. Uh, boy, the 90s, man, right? Am I right? <laughs> Anybody? Oh, we I, were like children when these came out. An overlapping thread of both movies. Why does everybody get to live in a palatial mansion? I don't understand how basic jobs, i.e. not working for some sort of media conglomerate, and they are just spread out with their Royces the, and Porsches. You know what? The early 90s, right before the real estate boom here in Los Angeles. I know my family benefited greatly from it. And I currently live in an apartment. Moving on. Samesies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, what do you, what, what do, what should we talk about first? It's like, there's just such a wealth. There's an embarrassment of riches. So I think most people, most people when they think or, or hear the word sexual thriller, I know that Basic Instinct is one of the ones that like comes to yeah. mind. Like Fatal Attraction, yeah, right. Basic Instinct, both starring yeah. Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of Basic Instinct, which which we have a going right there, oh, we have it on the TV. Watching in real time, exactly. So, um, he looks so smooth. He does look smooth. This is before the throat cancer. This was before. <laughs> well, Sharon Stone Debbie gave Downer. Sharon Stone gave him throat cancer in the oral sex scene. Apparently. <gasps> oh. Um, also, about Sharon Stone for a hot second, yeah, because I would turn Les for her in like <laughs> snap of a finger. There's, there was nothing quite like Sharon Stone in the '90s. Like it, no. even though most of her movies were complete garbage, she was um, always so beautiful and interesting and she's mesmerizing. A, she's actually a really good actress. True, um, and just completely bad shit. Yes, and that was gonna be. My, so we're watching this the other night. And I go, you know what I'm having a hard time with? Or maybe an easy time with. I'm not even sure at this point because it's so like woo, nebulous. Whether or not Sharon Stone is just playing herself mm-hmm. with an angle or perhaps, you know, she's just that good of an actress. She She's not like Sean Young level crazy to my understanding, but like she's, she's pretty wild. Uh, and here's a fun fact for you. At a garden party, Sharon Stone put her ankle on my shoulder and also called me an asshole. What? <laughs> Please tell me this happened simultaneously and they were sitting down so that she basically like put her leg up like a dog and then ankled within, you. like the same seven minute period. Um, She's incredibly flexible. She... <laughs> Yes, she is, Gray. If anyone has seen Basic Instinct knows that she is incredibly flexible. I don't know. Here's the part that I've forgotten. Like, I wish that Steve was here to remind me how this conversation transpired, but we were like talking and it was a it was a luncheon for uh, The Butler, the movie that came out recently. And they're having like a luncheon to get the uh, voters to vote for it for awards. And I don't know how we're going down this path and she's giving me tips on how I should dye my eyebrows to match my hair because that's what she did. And she used to have short, crazy colored hair and she we, she sensed were kindred spirits. And I was like, well, that's the most fucking terrifying thing I've ever heard, but also awesome. So thank you. And... <laughs> Um, and then, and, and just eventually we're talking about politics and like she, that's where she got a little cuckoo, but then just all of a sudden she put her foot on my shoulder, was like, check me out and was wearing like a velvet pantsuit 
and was just like, bam. And I was like, I, I'm sorry, but this has to be a photo. And Steve couldn't get my my phone to work. My no. Camera. And so I Can't made, marry him. and she would remove her foot and then Steve would go, the, it didn't take. And I was like, Sharon, again. And finally... <laughs> Again, please, Sharon. After the Again. after like the third time, she like stomped on the ground and she was like, Gray, you are an asshole. And I started laughing and Steve's like, I keep trying to tell her. And I was like, we're going to get this goddamn photo if it kills us. <laughs> you, all right. So you know what you miss, Gray? I don't know if you've, you know, we're talking about basically instinct right now. You basically missed a threesome with you, Sharon Stone, and Steve, and That's true. He, he screwed it all and up. I did. I screwed it all up because she called me an asshole. It's, but we have a, a we have a great photo of it. I'll make sure you guys have so, it. So, Chrissy, I know that you just watched Basic Instinct for the first time, but let me speed you up to the process of knowing that Basic Instinct is a crazy-ass awesome movie. It is. Paul Verhoeven. So, here's the reason why. Uh, Paul Verhoeven directed it. Joe Esterhaus wrote it. Guess what else they did together? What? Showgirls. I knew it. Yeah. You put it on and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see his name come up and I'm like. Did Esterhaus write Total Recall too? Uh, no. Okay. But, but, uh, we just, we, we talked about Nick Cage recently and how I'm really obsessed with those like five, sometimes actors go through like five or six movies where you're like, they were on fire. Like right, M- yeah. NBA jam fire. Paul Verhoeven from 1987 to 1997 had RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, and Starship Troopers. Wow. None of, like, hmm, they get progressively worse. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, it's, that's a weird thing about Verhoeven is that they're not, like, they're so competently done. They're so well shot. He gets, like, great DPs. There and the actors are good. I think that the performances in general are are really good. Are you saying Elizabeth Berkley is good? <laughs> Elizabeth Ber- Berkley, I think, is one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> I think she's she does a really great job. And you Her know A-game. why? You pass. No one says anything bad about showgirls in this house. It's so <laughs> earnest. It's so earnest. That's the thing. Is like showgirls is so seriously done, and that the none of those people acted like they were making a ridiculous film. Brief aside, can you imagine Elizabeth Berkeley going home to her parents? Like she's in the senior year, so to speak, of Saved by the Bell, and she's like, "So I'm gonna leave. I'm not gonna do the college years." And they're like, "No, you have to. This is great for you for the long run to pad your savings account, you actress." And she's like, "No." Paul Verhoeven, he's done this amazing resume of things, and now I'm going to be his latest discovery and talent. And they're like, okay, yes, you do that. You do You're that, gonna baby girl. You're going to have such a lucrative movie career. Oh, on to the sex. In the background, by the way. Sex scene is playing in the background. So I think Sharon Stone is the best part about Basic Instinct by far. Well, like I feel like we've seen Michael Douglas. Why do women always want to murder Michael Douglas in, in every single movie he's in? Is it his face? Is it his attitude? Does he seek out movie roles where he's like, I really want a woman to try to murder me in this movie? It's the gravelly voice. He's like, I'm a badass and I know what's up. And they're like, oh, yeah, we murder you, badass. Get on. You're talking about his gravelly voice like he didn't just have throat cancer, Chrissy. <gasps> Ooh, yikes too soon what do you think about it? that's hilarious whoa, whoa. whoa he's a very power he's a very powerful that's what it, that's the throat cancer part we're watching right now so sex scenes a plenty sex scenes a plenty in this movie how do you fake that is the thing like 
I had thought when we were watching this, I was like, so obviously some of the time in some movies, they're actually doing stuff. There was one or two parts of this movie where I specifically thought, are they actually? Well, right. Yeah. Because it's re- it's like shockingly bare. bare. Because Baron, I feel like Sharon bare, Stone is crazy enough naked. that she might go ahead and just be like, I'm going to buck it now. Literally. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Um, well, I've had her foot on my shoulder, so I can definitely say that she's down for whatever. And um, <laughs> I think what's, you know, what's interesting is that Michael Douglas is like this, going back to what you were saying, Justin, about ladies wanting to kill Michael Douglas, which is a really shrewd observation. Like, isn't it the, when in the 80s, in that period of time, you've got like women who are ascending the corporate ladder super fast culturally like the 80s were really big for that and and also shoulder pads just make you look super authoritative i mean clearly <laughs> you have to have the neck though otherwise you just look like you're some sort of lilliputian with your <laughs> ears up near your shoulders i digress and so i think because michael douglas presents himself as like such a powerful man that it makes him really attractive to topple so to speak. And so women were always like, I'm more powerful than one of the most powerful seeming actors ever. Woo! It's like Michael, if you're playing uh, Donkey Kong, uh, Michael Douglas is Donkey Kong. He's like at the top (laughs) and all these women pretty much have to climb up and they're like, I've got an ice pick or, you know, I've got a gun or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Every single movie is like... Or an entire game of things you need to figure out. Or I've got a Humvee like in War of the Roses or whatever. Whatever. She had a lot of things in that movie. Chandelier. I don't know. There's just they're just trying to kill each other. That whole film. So there's Catherine. a lot of sex in this movie. Um, yeah, and is it? But is it sexy sex? I I actually think they have incredible chemistry between them specifically. Yes. Yeah. However, there is unsexy sex in this movie. Well, that's the thing. Like between uh, who? Michael Douglas and Gene Triplehorn. Okay, so you this, didn't think that was hot? <gasps> this is the point is it where too rapey. <laughs> Chrissy apparently she she felt so strongly about this that she had to utter it in the middle of the movie. She's like, "I hate Gene Triplehorn." <gasps> really? I literally had a moment where I'm like cozied up under my old woman blanket, being the old <laughs> old woman that I am, and I'm just like, "Okay, wait a minute." No, no, no means no, no means no, no. Oh, he's doing it anyway. He's doing it anyway. Oh, what is she going to do? Is she going to scream? Is she going to run? No, wait, she's going with us. Wait, she's go. It's over. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next scene. He's like, okay. I don't know if it was good. And she's like, yeah, it was not like it usually is. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? What does she mean? You raped her. Like, that's what it means. Yeah. No, I get it. I I thought it was hot though. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's what makes movies super interesting is seeing them through a completely different lens. A rapist lens? I think, I would argue that these days we the conversation is so alive about equality and about like representations of women in media as it should be. True. That we watch things very differently. I I know that's true for me because Color of Night incensed me. And I don't think that it would have if I 
wasn't living in 2016 being aware of things that I'm aware of. You know, if I think if I had seen it at another time, because when I saw this in the 90s, I was like, dope. Love it. <laughs> Ice pick. Awesome. And now I'm nice thinking touch. I'm thinking about it differently. Um, but all the, the Jean Triplehorn stuff didn't really bug me also because in the movie she's, she's, well, I mean, we're spoiling stuff, right? I mean, that's what we do here. We spoil everything. I don't, I I don't see her as a victim in this movie of anything. And it, which isn't to say that you can't be a victim and also be a, 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 a villain at the same time, but I don't, I never saw her as the victim at all. Any, at any point in this film. I, I saw her as a victim of herself. I, I mean, clearly self-esteem issues and, and, and a lot of psychotherapy was in order, not in terms of her dealing it out, by the way. That's one of the things about this movie. Like, I know there was a lot of controversy at the time that, um, like LGBT activists were like, uh, right. protesting the movie because they're like, you know, the two, there's two bisexual, possibly lesbian women here in the movie and they're both psychotic crazy (laughs) trying to kill everyone we have no nice people representing the lgbt but then you have to look and you're like i mean michael douglas's character isn't isn't getting off at all greatly there's no hero in this movie where you're like oh he's untouched and he's you know no you're you're yes he's he's a, a a rapist uh there's crazy people all around well this is this is part of why i love seeing this conversation evolve over a long period of time because uh true equality is going to come for all of us as far as media representations go when no one ever says anything like that ever again because having an lgbtq representation is so abundant and so varied and so well written that no one's even going to notice when all of a sudden an, a bisexual person is a psychotic. They're not even going to say anything. It's the same thing with women. It's the same thing with minorities, non-white people. And you know what I mean? Like sure. the minute that we, and this, this is, I feel like this is really happening now a lot in movies too. Women, because they are, have become more the central focus of casting now they're allowed to have movies that are just as terrible as men, and we're talking about it less. Wise girls. Good, it's a good thing. I yeah, think it's right. a, that that to me signals true change when we don't even notice anymore. That's, That's the way point. it should be. That because that means that we've had so many awesome movies with women and so many awesome movies with all Latino cast and what you know, etc. So. But do you really feel we're at that apex or that turning point right now? Or? No, but I think we're super close in the scheme of things i think we're super close but i mean we're closer every day you know but i'm talking like in a span of years like a decade do you know what i mean like it's because nothing happens overnight but um also just want to point out something that makes gene triplehorn the villain is the inexplicable bart simpson keychain i'm so glad you noticed that because i thought i was alone on my little old woman island as i'm watching this and i go wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute hold on hold on (laughs) Is that a Bart Simpson keychain? Yeah, is like, this 1992? <laughs> Not only a Bart Simpson keychain, but basically a Bart Simpson keychain that gets her murdered. Murdered, the eventually. Movie. Smeared with blood. Well, and I was like, you know what's funny is that the first time that you see it, she's walked into the room and um, she has a spare key to Michael Douglas's apartment. And he's like, leave the key on the table and leave and get out of here. 
and she has this big ass keychain. And I, I exclaimed out loud, Bart Simpson? She's like a grown ass woman. And and Steve goes, no, I think those are his keys. And I was like, it doesn't make it better that it's Michael Douglas's keys. Also, I feel like there's so many keys on that keychain. It can't possibly be all of his keys. It has to be some of her keys. And so that is her keychain. <laughs> yeah, either way, who has a Simpson keychain, period? Did anyone have that in 1992 that was like, like over 28 do the bart man i mean i don't even I know. know they were popular for god's sake but that's she's like a grown she's like a psychologist you know it's paul verhoeven he's like <laughs> she she must she must have a simpson keychain it'd be very sexy it's americana <laughs> um and something else i noticed by the way in this movie is amazing stunt driving um, well i don't know if you know this but we'll get to this in our imdb trivia segment for this movie, but apparently Michael Douglas did all his stunt driving where he was driving down, driving down steps. And that's very surprising. I'm really surprised. I am agape and aghast. You are. I'm, I'm watching this movie. Right. And I'm like, is this like what inspired drive with Ryan Gosling? Because Holy crap. It's really, it's, it's like noticeably good. Cause I, I was like, wow, this is really like the, the scenes are wrought with tension. And Verhoeven knows how to direct action, so it's really like these scenes are good. You're like, oh my god, Catherine Tremell's trying to run him over, and why is she trying to outrun him when she's gonna go hang out with her murderer friend? P.S. <laughs> why does she have so many murderer friends? Well, I know she's a mystery author, but come on. I mean, she said it was for her for her book. I mean, clearly Mm-mm. that makes perfect sense, doesn't nope. it? That's like me being nope. like, you know, I work with children, so I hang out with only three-year-olds all the time, no yeah. matter what. That's like the same logic as like, I write Harlequin romance novels and I chill with Fabio every day. No, <laughs> that is not how it works. Do they have like a murder like group where it's like, it's, oh, it's your turn to make no, tea. That's her, that's they don't the- let the lady that poisoned her whole family ever make the cookies. <laughs> I think that's the funniest thing about this movie is there's all this talk about alibis and they're always saying, well, it can't be Catherine Tremell because she has this alibi of she wrote this book. And why would anyone who wrote this book and talk about all these things actually do those things and murder people in the exact same way? Because that would be just stupid. I felt really dumb listening to that. Every single time somebody brought up that that supposed point, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. How is the book an alibi? Alibis are supposed to be people who can vouch for your presence and the book is not an alibi. And something else that Joe Esterhaus brought up later that was like, yeah, my bad, was how DNA evidence was like being definitely used yes, in the 90s. For sure. And OJ. not in this film. <laughs> not a, not even a little bit. So it's like, all. so they need def, they need work on their definitions of both like DNA evidence and alibis. They do. Joe Esterhaus did not know what those were. So not not only did her character write all these books where like I'm going to you know murder murder this rock star and blah blah blah. This is exactly how. And then it's like I'm writing this book now where this detective falls in love with the wrong woman, but she would always like all her lines are like if you were talking with her were you know you have those friends where you're like they the, whatever they say could have double meaning and you're like. What does she mean by that? Right. Well, like she'd be with you. And you're like, oh, how are you doing? Let's go to McDonald's. I'm gonna murder a hamburger. <laughs> and you're like, 
Oh my god, is she really a like an? Emer- then a second later, she's like winking. You don't actually think I would murder a hamburger, do you? And that's what's funny about Sharon Stone's performance is that I, she sells it so much. Like she really is toying with him and us. It's like, man, she's bananagrams. Like that chick is nuts. I have so I have so much trouble believing. She is not this person. Agreed. And it's it's that's the one of the most shocking things about shaking hands and sitting four feet away from these people on a regular basis. I am consistently surprised when I remember their acting. <laughs> that's pretty like, good. Like wow, like Ben Foster, who always plays a psycho and in three ten to Yuma in like almost every movie he's in. And Interviewing him for Hell or High Water, which is amazing, by the way, and you should go see it. I, nicest guy. And I don't pretend that four minutes of an interview is an accurate representation of a human. Because they're definitely like, they're promoting a movie. They're being nice to a person. Unless but, you're Hugh Grant. Fuck you, Hugh Grant. <laughs> fuck you. Um, and so he like was super duper nice. And I was like, wow, you've really turned me around on being scared to run into you in an alley. Now I do be excited to run into you in an alley. <laughs> We would We'd be besties. We could go up an alley and maybe even do some car oh, okay. stunts up up and down the stairs Michael of Douglas, Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas. Um, right. And by the way, this is right after he is totally okay with putting his drunk cop friend in a car to drive home. Also totally okay after he got run over by a car. <laughs> he literally got yep. run over. These scenes where he's driving around San Francisco being chased or chasing someone could be from the game. Like he does a lot of yeah. escaping, being chased, chasing someone in his movies and the game was another. This is like straight bullet stuff. Like the, this this is on I don't know that it's on par with it because it's not like a really extended chase, but this this stuff is really good. Is brief, that a Ferrari? Brief aside, I just love that Catherine Tremell's car has like the person who sold it to her's license plate frame still attached to it. Oh, yeah. I, Ron it's like something. Ro- Robertson or something. I noticed <laughs> yeah. that, too. Every time I see it, it makes me laugh. It's like, really, you own a Ferrari, but you're not going to put like a specialty rim, like, rim around the license plate that's like a chain or something. I have a Honda Civic, and I have skulls on mine. Me, too. Honda Civic for <gasps> life. Yay. Yay. So, uh, so I have an iPad in front of me just because I want to talk about the, I think, what I think is the best scene of Basic Instinct. It's definitely the one it's known for the most. Um, but I think it's the best scene, which is the interrogation scene. For sure. Hands down. (laughs) (laughs) So. But Bud, you're wearing pants. It's not the same. So, so number one, Gray, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can answer this, but. Do you know enough about police interrogations to know if there is a grandstand involved in a lot of interrogations where there can be four, five, six, you know, very thirsty dudes there for the interrogation? I usually think it's like in a room, it's With- glass, you know, in case two guys max, but these guys were like there right this was a re you're right this is a really different representation because normally you see it and it's a small room and there's a table and it's double way mirror yeah and a two-way mirror and then somebody the the person being questioned is there and then at most there's like two cops one for good and one for bad (laughs) but right so the the only reasoning that i have for this interrogation scene because i don't I don't know how they can go. It's just that she wasn't actually being charged with anything. They were trying to get information and more like an interview. It, it is. It is. Ish. It's like so. Tell me where you see the murderer in five years. 
like that. <laughs> so, so here's the thing with this scene. So number one, she is amazing throughout. Like, you know, not only are the the actors, the the the, the characters in the room in tr- like entrapped by her <laughs> feminine charms, basically going from zero to sweat soaked forehead in about sixty five seconds. Newman is in this scene, and Wayne he Knight, like man, he is about to have a heart attack. He is so turned on. He's like maximum boner throughout the scene basically yeah just thinking about all these guys boners during this shooting is makes me uncomfortable like i had that thought and i was like oh so apparently the the controversy amongst the scene is um sharon stone says that she did not know that this was how the scene was going to go by where she was going to be showing her vagina apparently whoa, 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 whoa. to whoa how do you not know when they say okay Honey, you're in wardrobe now. We're going to put you in this dress without anything on underneath it. We're going to skip ahead. So, uh, INV says, according to Sharon Stone, director Paul Verhoeven asked her to remove her underwear for the leg crossing scene. As he said, they were too bright and reflected the camera. She agreed to do so under the assumption that her genitals weren't visible. It was only at an early preview that Stone discovered that Verhoeven chose to use this specific shot. She was mainly cross with him for not discussing the matter with her beforehand, but decided to let the scene go without changes as she felt this conformed with her movie character. Well, and I I don't buy it only because of how she does it in the movie, because it's when I am wearing a skirt, okay, I was raised with a really solid amount of Judeo-Christian shame. And when I'm wearing a skirt, like you can't even like my vagina never sees a sliver of light. Okay, because my knees are locked together, and it's almost like, <laughs> it's like like the jaws of life to get in there, right? Is is required. So therefore, when when I'm crossing a leg, when they're people, right? When I'm crossing a leg, it's like there's a the, women know how to do this. We've been taught oh, how to. We are to wearing do it. the cone of shame. I completely understand. You, your knees are like ma- there are like magnets on the inside of your patella. You know what I mean? And you're just like. <laughs> So what you're saying as a guy amongst two other, yeah, two women here is she had to really try hard to show her vagina in that way. Not only that, but I'm sorry, a scene ago, she was seen literally naked and then putting on a dress without any underwear underneath. So how do you not know that this is what's going on when later on you're like, let me do a fan kick for the entire gallery. Okay, ready, peanuts? Here we go. Whoop. And then she really does. She really, so I don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm but with you. I call shenanigans. It's also, you know, the the only possibility is that she didn't understand the framing of the shot. You know what I mean? Like maybe she didn't think it was as wide as it was. Or... So maybe she thought it was implied. Yeah, maybe she thought that she was in a medium shot or and that she maybe she wasn't paying close attention. But I just feel like no matter how in character I am, I'm paying attention to that. I don't know. Again, just because it's like... My my vagina is special and doesn't come out to play for everyone. So here's the thing. So obviously, Chrissy had never seen this movie before, but I assume that she had known about this infamous vagina showing scene beforehand. Yeah. Even though she knew that ahead of time, her face was like, <laughs> I, it was like, <sighs> vagina. Just like, I didn't know that she was going to show like actual, like, actual lips. Vagina. Like, labia majora like badge i think it was less about like the flesh and more about like the sheer cuntiness that she introduced said cunt with ahead of and behind it 
as weird as that sounds, and I know it does sound weird, but like listening yeah, to her sorry, talk. Sorry, I just short circuit when anyone uses that word. I'm sorry. So I don't know what you said, but. <laughs> I get, I don't know what to tell you, but I mean, her character, it's kind of, you know, it serves well. I think it's amazing. It's such a, well, I, I don't even, I, I don't care if it was a mistake or if it was on purpose. It's such a great moment. It says so much about that character. Yes. I just think the confidence that she has playing this woman is absolutely riveting there's no question why this made her super famous and here's my translator gray drake to translate cuntiness that's exactly what i meant <laughs> oh okay good yeah and you know she had to do this like 12 times at least right, so right. how could you do something like that 12 times and be like i didn't know that's how it was supposed um, to go something else that we didn't really pick on was reflectiveness of <laughs> underwear i'm sorry what it's a slow clap for an excuse I'm sorry. Like, what are you wearing like right now? Basic instinct folktales passed down from campfire to campfire. <laughs> I'm sure she, maybe she got a little demure after she saw it. And then she's like, oh, I'm just going to throw out this story to kind of make it sense. Like, I didn't, I wasn't in on the plan the whole time. It's always more interesting to make people doubt after the fact. But So here's the thing. So I actually did some research. And so I was... <laughs> Of course you did. Because when you when you see like Sharon Stone's like, I didn't know I was supposed to do this, and then Paul Verhoeven's like, Oh yeah, she knew the whole time. You're like, what's the real story? Also, how could the lights be so reflective when there were no lights whatsoever in this police <laughs> interrogation room? Because I noticed that. I'm like, hold on, are there not lights at headquarters? Because they're in the dark, yo. Go on. So anyway, so I'm like Googling around, like Chris is gonna find my Google history, and it's like Sharon Stone crotch, Sharon Stone basic instinct, <laughs> vagina, Sharon Stone. <laughs> and what did I find? But so you know, uh, people go, people sell autographs online from celebrities, and you're awesome. Like, did they actually get that autograph from that celebrity? Did it is just like a digital autograph on, on top of the picture, you know, on the picture or whatever? Well, I found this picture, an autograph, and literally, and I again, I don't know if this is true or this is like a real autograph someone signed a copy of the screen grab freeze frame of sharon stone (laughs) uncrossing her legs and the the sharon stone i don't know if it's real or not signed on her like vagina like over her vagina where she's showing her vagina okay the a goes and sharon and sharon goes over the clitoris basically they were oh. like, okay, let's make sure we make this really circular and apparent. So also, my question to Gray is, because you're now besties and BFFs, yo, do yeah. you think this is a true autograph? Do you think Sharon Stone would have signed an autograph of hers over her bare vagina picture from Basic Instinct? I, I do think she would have. <laughs> because, you know what? I, I wonder what it's like to be an actor that is responsible for one of the most iconic scenes and it's like it's 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 followed her her whole career she's never done anything that has affected people as much as this role did uh and i definitely believe that she just owns it for sure speaking of owning it justin is owning it right now he is all zoomed in on the machine (laughs) and is shoving it in my face and also i want to point out that for whatever reason the text below the photo on that particular website says basic instinct, AKA sex death wish. <laughs> I love which I have a feeling is Justin's own commentary. That's how I like to remember basic instinct is a sex death wish because 
<laughs> in this movie, Michael Douglas, not a hero, but apparently has a death wish because he knows that this woman might be a murderer. There's a good yeah. likely chance. And he still hit, hit the... The vagina is so strong, mm-hmm. he can't help himself. Sex, death wish. I mean, it makes him go from this guy who was a uh, a cop who apparently shot a couple people while he was coked up, and they tried to cover him up and, you know, all this stuff, to mean this woman, and instantly going back to drinking and smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Right. Cigarettes, man. They'll get you every time. And can I point out that in the scene that's currently playing on the television, the amazing s- computer screen... You oh, cannot get away from God. how dumb technology looks like 25 years after the fact, like the green screen of like the compact presario. I was writing for the sound where it goes like, uh, <laughs> like to prove that it's on. <laughs> like a dial up modem. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yeah. It's like, that's the computer. Like you couldn't even play Oregon Trail on because oh, it was Oregon like, Trail. <laughs> I'm the bomb at Oregon Trail. Let's go play. So two two other things that this movie um, that I like about this movie, I respect any movie that starts instantly with a sex scene, like from from Jump Street. Stop there. Yeah. Everything is that you need to say has been said. I respect any movie that starts with this with the sex scene. So basically, all porn ever. Go ahead. What are you saying? That you respect oh, porn. Okay. Oh, That's you respect me for, for 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 having that belief. Oh, no, 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 no. no wait. No, just that you respect all pornography. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's an observation. Well, you know, not a tacit approval. I mean, it was sexy, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not out of, I'm not out of bounds for saying this thing I was f- sexy. I feel like even pornography starts with a little bit of a story, like a doorbell <laughs> ring or like a pizza delivery, and then. <laughs> well, it starts with these two people. They're having sex in this room. There's a mirror above the bed, and then right, just we've moved along from pizza delivery. By the way, like we have, oh. it's 2016. Get with it. Now it's like casting couch crap. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, do you think to... that mirrors above beds are sexy? They were in the 90s. That was a thing. Was that a thing in the 90s? I didn't know that was a thing in the 90s. I, f- I think mirrors in the general bed vicinity are like, yeah, that's a good thing. Gray, we know you well enough yeah. that we know a little bit about you Uh-oh. and your bedroom okay. activities. You- my, my question for you, because I haven't seen you in a while, is... You guys have seen my bedroom, right? Uh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I have. I have. I, yeah. I, I want to ask you a question. Is Prince still primarily <gasps> involved in your bedroom? There was last time I was in your bedroom. There was a there was a, a painting of velvet. Prince. It's a velvet velvet Prince. painting. Yeah, purple rain era. Since his his passing, have you retired it? Is it Never. still there? No, no. Like a specter above your bed. It's Prince. Always, I feel like everything I do in that room is service to Prince. <laughs> it is in his honor. I I am inspired by him. He watches over He's us. Conservative. So watch what you're saying because you know you never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. I mean, the only thing that we do that angers him is celebrate holidays because <laughs> that whole Jehovah's Witness problem. But I think we doing do it, he's face. cool with. He's cool with doing it. Um, I I love people's reaction over time to the Velvet Prince because I've had him so long. Um, I remember one guy walked in when I used to have the podcast and would record in the studio apartment. And he was like, oh, God, it brings back really bad memories of when my girlfriend one time like wanted me to always play the entire Purple Rain album and last the whole time. And it's like the longest album. It's such a long album. (laughs) And then I've told that story to other people and had them judge that guy and be like, well, I don't know what the problem is. Right? And it's like, wow. Come on. Okay. Sounds like the worst first and last date ever. 
So say. yeah, Velvet Prince isn't going anywhere ever, <laughs> ever. I'm so happy to know that news. Thank you. It was, it was one of those things. Like I, I'd never really like acknowledge him every day, but I, I. It took me a while after he passed away to realize that that was like an even better kind of tribute to him. So mirrors are good in the bedroom. Yeah. Pitch, velvet, Ish. velvet print. Self esteem, then yes. <laughs> self esteem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it hinges. If you're a lights on, lights off person, it's it hinges directly on that. I'm so with her. She's absolutely right. If you are lights on, you are pro mirrors. If you are lights off, you are anti mirrors. Would it surprise you, um, guys? I feel like all dudes are pro mirrors, though. basically, and pro lights. Women, it's it, it, it's either or. Yeah. I mean, I don't want like two. I don't want like Justin Timberlake t- uh, mirrors, music video mirrors. Like, I don't want to be in a funhouse of mirrors trapped. <laughs> That's like one mirror, st- one mirror strategically <laughs> placed above the bed, not too big, not too small, we're just not- right. <laughs> we're not. I don't want to be lost in the mirrors. <laughs> we're not talking about like if a clown got into your bedroom, you wouldn't know which way to kill, right? <laughs> We have those those mirror closet doors, and occasionally it like they're 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 pushed in different configurations, and I and I'm all, I'm always like, oh good, a mirror, you know. But sometimes it's not there, and I'm fine with that too. What a happy surprise! I have these mirror right. doors. I it's I have a moment like secretly I'm where I just in my head I'm like, hey you, how you doing? I I get like bewitched by my own reflection. <laughs> with you on this it's like how you envision your best self and then every so often you catch a glimpse in those mirrored wardrobe doors and you're like yeah right and then conversely sometimes you're like nope never look at that again never never do that don't do that shall we speak of the butt cellulite again ever (laughs) would you guys be surprised to know that apparently it took five days to film the sex scenes with michael douglas and sharon stone oh my god that sounds brutal well that tells me then for sure by day five they were doing it like, come on. You don't do that for four days straight and then go, all right, you know, it's still not happening. Guess what we need to do on day five? Fuck. Mm, I don't know if you noticed this, but Michael Douglas, one thing about his, that's a lot of the, the, a lot of the sex scenes in this movie go from sexy to like really violent or really awkward really quick. Because I think Michael Douglas does like this grunting thing where he's like, ugh, like, ugh. <laughs> He grunts. He does grunt. He, it's like, uh, uh, how does how does Catherine Zeta Jones stand it? How does she stand a lot of things? I don't even know. <laughs> that that family's kind of a mess. I mean, mm. he's got a lot of stuff going on. She's got a lot of stuff going on. His son was like in jail and prison. Right. That's true. So well, we successfully really bummed me out. I was all <laughs> kind of excited about this movie. Um, Pete. <laughs> By the way, also apropos of nothing, um, when Gene Triplehorn and Michael Douglas are fighting, when we the Bart Simpson keychain is first revealed, he is watching the Jeffersons on the television. Yes. And we, I, I started singing the song because right. he had no idea and what that's I was what's doing. Great, is that the sound design is really excellent because the scene ends and it fades out and it's like we're finally gonna put I swear to God, great. I started singing it and Chrissy's like, what are you doing? And then I got to like the main part everyone knows. She's like, oh, the Jeffersons. She's like, I don't know that the beginning part. I'm like, well, you need to educate yourself on the Jeffersons, apparently. It's because she is a huge racist. So not only... (laughs) True. Not only the sound design, but especially when you compare it to uh, Color of Night, amazing score in Basic Instinct. 
amazing score because once you get to Color Night and you get to the sexy saxophone music. Like an oasis in a desert of shitty music. Are we are we talking about color of night now? Are we moving on? Wait, wait, wait. Let me look at my notes. Did we cover everything? Very sexy. Chrissy during the sex scenes, Chrissy's like, she has really erect nipples. Talking she does, about actually. Sharon Stone. Nice boobs. Really nice. them. I think that was like basically he did this with Sharon Stone where he was like, I'm gonna ice your nipples, Paul Verhoeven. And then to showgirls, he went on and he was like I did this with Sharon Stone in the last movie. Now we're going to do it with you too. And that's what made it okay. Oh, that's your Paul Verhoeven impression. <laughs> I'm really good okay. at this. Good. No, I just want to be clear about that. I thought it was Guy Fieri for a second. I got really weirded out. I want to be the guy that ices the nipples. Like that's it. Like not even like a production assistant. Just like nipple icer. Justin Winters. <laughs> you get a credit for that and everything. But um, the, before we go, the the other other than interrogation scene, the other favorite scene that I really loved in this movie was there's a disco scene where there's yeah. dancing and uh, where they're like clearly ten years older than everyone else in the room, which is weird. <laughs> and the, for some reason, the bank of lights is rotating. It looks like it's just falling on people in slow motion by the end of the scene. I don't understand it. And this, but this comes like in the middle of the movie where Michael Douglas's character has kind of been. Uh, interrogating Sharon Stone's character for like several times. It's like, did you murder this person? Well, if I did murder, that would be stupid, you know, blah, blah, blah. So she's like, alibi. okay, well, I'm going to this dance club at, at midnight. And he's like, well, I will see you there. <laughs> and he goes there and she's there with her bisexual lover. Mm-hmm. And they're like dancing all like, like sexy, like, wait, yeah, wait, wait, sexy, wait. like with like you can, you shoulders. Describe, is this sexy? Oh, no, Gray should, Gray, is this sexy? I'm like bewitched by like you imagine right you're Michael Douglas and so I'm Sharon Stone and she's Roxy like the bisexual lover and like we basically like want to make you like turned on by us which is like I think that was the point of that scene sort and they're of? just like they've they've been in the bathroom having cup aggressively having like, coke and then and then they're like giving him like sexy yeah, come on like, moves except arms up in a triangle over your head when you're dancing with boobs out. And- but, like, Roxy's doing this really weird thing that's like bargain basement fly girls. <laughs> that's like, boom, 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 boom. And it's like... She's like, if you ever watch So You Think You Dance, she's really hit it, like hitting her... Like, she is. She's, she's popping hitting, a lot. She's popping it hard. There's very little locking, but there's a lot of popping. And then all of a sudden, Sharon Stone goes over to Michael Douglas and they, like, start, like... Bumping and grinding. Like, bumping yeah. and grinding. And then Roxy's over on the other side, like, mad dancing. (laughs) Right. Angry, angry, angry. Hit. She was a heartbeat away from Angry Ant Eater. Like, (gasps) literally a heartbeat away. Do you think that actress is actually Abby Lee from Dance Moms? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's entirely possible. Wouldn't put past her. Same kind of anger. I love mad dancing scenes. So anyway, other than that, um, yeah, I like Basic Instinct a lot. Basic Instinct, like 56 or 7% rotten on the tomato meter. It's awfully close to fresh. 54% yeah. gray. Uh, oh, excuse me. 54% grossed $117 million mm-hmm. at the U.S. box office. Awfully close. Um, I give it a, I mean, it's a solid, like, B. It's like, it's a Hitchcock movie with, with sex scenes. I yeah. give it a solid, like, B+. Plus. It's good. I, I actually think this is a super good movie. I I I think it's elevated dis- specifically by the performances because if in anyone else's hands this would have been the worst. But Verhoeven just manages to get like believable performances out of completely ridiculous dialogue. 
wrong? Is like, it wrong that hearing you say that I want to see it in the worst hands possible? Like I want to see the version of this movie that has like the worst director. Like, well, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Oh, yeah, you're right. Here's my question for you because you saw this for the first time. The big thing about the movie was the ending of the movie. My question after seeing this movie, I haven't seen it in several years, is does the ending even matter? Does the ending matter? Is there like because it seems like it's one of those movies where it could have gone either way. And the ending just like basically was just like, okay, we chose this way, you know, and it basically ends on, you know, uh, an ice pick underneath a bed. And you're like, oh, I guess that's the ending of the movie, you know, but Chrissy, you were like, oh, it's totally her from the beginning. Well, I, I, I called it cause I'm really good at this game. No, for the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah. Because no, he kept leaning over, Justin, and he was like, so who do you think it is? Who's the whodunit? What do you think? And I'm like, oh, for sure. Like, it's Sharon Stone. He's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am, actually. And then at the end, so personally, I felt like, what up? I called it. However, objectively speaking, I do think that they were probably just kind of like hedging their bets. And it could have been either one, to be honest with you, based on how they framed it and how they set it up. So like, how are you really, as the audience member, supposed to be satisfied either way? Because you're just like, meh, at this point, it could be six of one, half a dozen of the other. Here's another question. What do you think happened to these two characters like three months after this movie ends? I wanted to know. And the movie ended, the credits came and I was like, so that's it? I feel like at every given moment when Michael Douglas inevitably does something to make her character mad, she would turn around and be like, you do this to me after I decide not to murder you with an ice pick. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, basically he has to forget the milk at the grocery store and that's it. I spared your life. How dare you leave your wet towel on the floor? <laughs> you, you left the toilet seat up. I mean, I could like slit your throat but that would be stupid because you know i wrote a book about that what if they had kids and then grandkids everything hedged on the rugrats at the very end she was he was like so what do you mean we live together happily ever after we have rugrats and then we die basically and yeah i hate rugrats and then she let him live right but then what if they did have kids and then grandkids and they were all sitting around at christmas and she was like your grandfather when he was investigating me for a murder I definitely committed. Have you seen the the sequel? Did you see the oh, sequel? No. Yeah, there is. I, it was like direct to DVD. I didn't see it. I didn't it. see it either. That's Why how bother? much I cared. Anyway. Ugh. B plus oh, great. What, what letter grade would you give this? Great. I, I like this movie a lot. I'd be the same. I'm I'm in the B. B Chris? Territory. B. Straight All right, I'm going to quickly just run off some I we, we talk about IMDb trivia in air quotes all the time on our show. And you tell me if any of these surprise you. No body doubles were used in any of the sex scenes? Yeah, because we see so much of their faces. Sharon Stone was only offered the role after 13 actresses had turned it down. What? That's flattering. Uh, I love this. Wesley Snipes was offered the role of Nick Curran, but turned it down due to scheduling conflicts. Denzel Washington was also offered the role, but she turned it down. Richard Dean Anderson and Don Johnson were also offered the role. Could you inv- imagine MacGyver in this role? I don't know enough about MacGyver to weigh in on this, but I think of MacGruber, and therefore the answer is no. <laughs> I don't think that one's true. Ew. Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone had to wear general pads during the sex scenes due to the AIDS em- epidemic. Does that make it sexier for you? No. No, doesn't. Ew. Gen- just the two words in combination with each other. Genital, <laughs> genital pads. pads. Brooke Shields turned down the role of Roxy, Catherine's girlfriend, because she feared the role for nu- called for nudity. Yeah, I 
Brooke Shields. Well, I mean, after Blue Lagoon didn't go. I mean, that you know what? I think Blue Lagoon might have traumatized her for for life. She was like fourteen during that movie. Um, Kirk Douglas, then age seventy five, attended the premiere and praised his son's (laughs) bravery in making the movie. Awkward. Michael Douglas said in interviews that he wanted to star in the movie because he felt sex scenes were in danger of disappearing from Hollywood films due to the AIDS epidemic. That's interesting. He's like, we're going to make like, sure nobody's scared to do it. <laughs> like, if you're, well, if you don't stand for something, you'll I'm, fall for it. I'm going to do it in all the ways. I'm going to do it. Right. There's going to be rape. That's going to be my platform. There's going to be sexy, sexy post-disco sex fuck you aids we're gonna do it in every way till sunday well and look at us now everybody we've got the aids thing under control we've got some great medications wait a minute let's let's all take a moment and thank basic instinct for basically eliminating aids michael douglas Douglas cured aids is that an imdb fact no i'm on it i'm gonna write it so uh, one thing that basic we can thank Basic Instinct for pretty much is uh, Color of Night. Uh, can we thank? We can, is that the right word? I mean, look at the movies. They're basically you know someone took someone watched Basic Instinct and is like, I can do that. Well, I guess. And certainly Brian De Palma's work really inspired Color of Night too, because like he's the one that really pioneered these kinds of movies that are like hot and sort of absurdist at the same time but like have a mystery attached also and i felt like color of night was like someone loved basic instinct and brian de palma movies so they decided to just shit all over them (laughs) don't you usually shit all over the things you love i know i do (laughs) you know what's funny about you guys i thought we were friends And (laughs) you made me watch this movie. (laughs) You know, when we said, hey, Gray, you want to be back on the podcast for a reprisal? We thought, well, she's going to say yes no matter what, right? Okay, so we better just pick the worst movie ever so that way she actually shows up. No, pretty much we're like, okay, Gray's coming over. Let's make this uh, experience as sexy as possible for her. Let's show her two of the sexiest movies that she, you know, probably has seen, but hasn't seen lately. So let's just make it, let's mix it up. You know, I I actually hadn't seen this. <gasps> and you're welcome, Gray. Yeah. So thank you. So another- now this exists like on my Amazon purchases. And so Google and the NSA, like everybody knows now. You're going to get I've so watched- many sexy suggestions from Amazon. <sighs> you know what? I feel like Bruce Willis has like a, like a panic room button that just lights up every time somebody buys one of these piece of shit movies. And he was always like today, at like at like two o'clock in the afternoon, he's like, "Yay, I get another Royal- another one." Uh, have you ever done a Jucka interview with Bruce Willis? I, I haven't, thank God. I don't think it would go well. So Bruce Willis, I think, is is kind of known amongst this town as being a major a like. You think Hugh Grant's bad? Yeah. Br- oh, baby, cry. A sad baby crying upstairs. You probably can't hear on this podcast because we have good mics now that we're pros. But upstairs, there's a very angry baby Ooh, in our house. Stick a time out. Okay, we'll take a technical timeout. Oh. Back on track. And so let's talk about this. Bruce Willis, really an asshole in real life? 
I've I've heard nothing but bad things. Oh snap! I haven't heard I, much of anything. I do know Either his way. cousin though, who was is an adult and is, and was getting married, and for like the second time, it was both their second or third marriage, and she mentioned that Bruce wanted to give her his island as a wedding gift to visit. Wait, he has an island? Oh, oh yeah, visit. to like visit, to visit. Has, not okay. yeah, not like give her the whole island. I phrased it wrong, but. She was like, when he goes, yeah, and you can like, it's to, you'll to have total privacy and it'll be great. And she looks at him like he was crazy. And she's telling me the story. And she was like, Bruce, that's only fun for you. You're the famous person. Like, we're normal people. Like, And he's like, oh, right. Like, he's just forgotten at this point. Because it's been so long since he's been a normal person. I'm just flabbergasted because even, the, I, I get that it's been a long time since you've had to, you know, hang with the plebes. But at the same time, like, I don't know, Demi Moore didn't seem that crazy away from Earth. Is she? I don't know. I'd love to talk to her. She, But she doesn't really do movies anymore. No, she doesn't. She just did Ashton and now nobody. <laughs> so, I don't, so it goes. I don't blame her, honestly. I feel like at this point, nobody has anything interesting to say to her. If she got like a really great movie role, I'd love to see her in like a comeback where we actually would have like something meaty to talk about. G.I. Jane, the geriatric years. <laughs> we'll give her like her own Dallas Buyers Club, for God's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> like give her something really good. I mean, it's, every time I see her, she's super, super, super skinny. So <laughs> that's not how I has meant to be it. A, a, an AIDS, a, <laughs> Come on. A new AIDS drama. Or a Holocaust movie. Those are big. <laughs> you guys are mean. <laughs> so up until now, Cr- Chrissy. And and Gray had not been uh, exp- they have not experienced color of night before for some reason. What are your first thoughts? Just like primarily before we get into the movie, I'm just so thrilled that there's a movie that I haven't seen that Gray also hasn't seen. Yeah, I have to put that out there. Um, within the first 45 seconds of viewing this film, I went. People can't possibly think this is a good movie, right? Right? And I looked at the tomato meter and I went. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. 22%, Gray. 22%. That's shockingly high. I can't believe it's that high. I can't believe 22% of people reviewing this movie in 1994 thought that this was an okay film. I mean, can it be really surprising, Gray? Because Rotten Tomatoes is basically about ruining any movie that's out there that might be good. You shut your goddamn Batman v Superman. Color of Night. Usually, guys are just like, (laughs) I'm gonna stamp. We're gonna stamp on this this movie's chances. What? We'll say between Batman v Superman and Color of Night, I choose Color of Night. Wow, that's a bold. I don't know. I mean, like at no point was like Lance Henriksen and Bruce Willis like talking about how they their moms had the same name. So that's cool. <laughs> like <laughs> so, um, so Color of Night came out a couple years after Basic Instinct, and it seemed like a basically a response to Basic Instinct. Someone was like. A okay, really okay, terrible so, so they love comment section of Basic Instinct. <laughs> An immature, infantile response. And so, um, uh, unfortunately, Color of Night only grossed like $20 million at the box office. Uh, um, Once again, so much. But I was talking with Gray about this earlier, where Color of Night gained traction and basically spawned a new life was on video. Um, and the reasoning, I think, Behind its success was the cover of its uh, the VHS cover for Color Night. So look at this. 
So you oh, guys right. can search for this online, but the cover of the Color of Night uh, VHS or DVD, the the front of it is basically it looks like Bruce Willis and uh, the actress Jane March are basically having sex in the Sometime. shower. Yes, and uh, this one I don't know if all of these include this, but there's a a car jump crashing, crashing over some kind of. Uh, what is that? Some kind of ledge it, it, it's explosion. Coming like, it's coming out of a parking structure. Like it's a metaphor because this watching this movie <laughs> is exactly like watching a car explode out of a parking garage. But if I was if I was at the video store and I passed this, I'm like, I want to see these people fucking in the shower. Justin, you worked at a video store. Full disclosure. Throughout your teen years, I have to ask: Did you rent this copy of this movie to many people? Oh yeah. Tons, Ugh. tons. How do you live with yourself? How do you sleep at night? <laughs> Great. Like I worked them. at a video store that had an adult room, oh. and there would be guys who would like come in, spit. come in once a week, and really, uh, truly rent six adult movies at a time. Six <laughs> wow. adult movies. I get it. An hour and a half. <laughs> Wait, six? Well, yeah, you only watch one part and then you just move on, right? I mean, that's probably true. These things are like three or four dollars yeah. a pop. It's true. Yeah. Well, what that's... else are they spending money on? Well, they were just taking it and then making their own compilations. Like, what's his face? <gasps> Forty year old virgin. Boner jams. Boner jams. <laughs> From forty year old virgin. Exactly. Yes. Um, this movie is the worst, and everything about it is the worst, <laughs> and especially one of the most oppressive soundtracks that i've ever heard that is so it's full of the most awful misleading ridiculous music ever like steve and i were we were sort of having a like something resembling a good time when we were listening to the music and we were theorizing about what was going to happen in the movie based on the music and what it was indicating. And I was like, so Scott Bakula and Bruce Willis are riding in a convertible down the road, but the music seems to indicate that one of them is a vampire. <laughs> someone is going to eat someone, or maybe they'll hit a zombie. Something really scary is going to happen. Oh no, they're just going to his house that has a series of inexplicable gates, including the one on the front door. That is shaped like a keyhole, and when he and Bruce Willis walk through it, Bruce Willis goes, "It's like looking through a keyhole." Thanks, thanks, Bruce. You're I really can't. like in tune with symbolism. I can't. <laughs> that was the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I thank you. It's the worst movie. I can't. I, bl- I just had a thought. I'm just like, I just imagine Steve having to sit with you and oh. watch Color of Night. You don't know the damage you've done <laughs> to my life. You don't know. That's uh, yeah. It's like at one point, you know, when the when the lady did you say her name was June March? Uh, the actress Jane was March. named Jane March. Jane March walks in, and it, they're like looking at photos, and I was like, I was like, okay, so that means that in in just a couple seconds they're gonna walk into the backyard, and they're it's gonna be Austria and the sound of music, and they're going to be <laughs> seeing a sunrise. That's what this music <laughs> indicates. Oh no, they're just going to um without me being able to understand why. They're going to have crazy sex, interrupt that crazy sex because she says, I want to put nice clothes on. Then he's going to be the only one wearing clothes after she has somehow cooked dinner and is sitting there naked, only for them both to abandon dinner instantly without eating any of it. To have sex in the shower. See, great. What you're saying, and 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 the where the, was the, my Austrian sunrise? God damn it! The attitude you're putting off is like I, these things are happening, and I don't like this. 
Well, I, all I'm hearing is this sounds amazing. More, more of these things, please. So the opening shot of this movie, uh, who's this actress's name? I just forgot. Um, you just forgot. She is putting, she puts lipstick on. She's very agitated. And so I do want to point out that this was probably the only thing human that this movie got right as far as like behaviors go. When she puts her scarlet red lipstick on and she puts it on like real crazy. Yeah, on her, on her teeth. That like in, definitely indicates a woman's state of mind. Like if you ever see a woman with like busted ass lipstick on, you know that she just gave fellatio to a gun that she was going to shoot herself with and then didn't. That's true. But that wasn't even clear. It was like all of a sudden she was filleting the gun and then a second later she's in this therapist's office and and then obviously... <laughs> Here's what's great. Out the window. So I didn't even read a description of this movie and I was like, why is Bruce Willis yelling at this clearly disturbed woman? <laughs> like, what? Why is because he is the worst therapist ever, apparently. Well, and Story then- by Billy Ray, by the way. I just, quick aside, the credits just said it was watching the background. Story by Billy Ray. I'm sorry. Anything that's written by anybody named Billy Ray is right. immediately called into question continue so she throws herself out the window and in the next scene i realize he's a therapist (laughs) like yeah you should be pretty upset you were like yelling at a woman who's your patient and like saying horrible things to her and she threw herself out a window like this movie's filled with people who are so morally deplorable that you just can't even handle it it's like worst therapy group ever that he joins but a mere so, second later so so number one uh when i saw this poor lady i was like what if what if she was like the main character and this is just like a really bad day for her and she goes on and she it's like working girl and she succeeds and makes everything okay. No, that's not what happens. He is a really terrible therapist. He is horrible. And why do therapists, especially not only him, but Scott Bakula in this movie, have their offices in high-rise buildings with windows <laughs> everywhere? An answer, they don't. Like that's just <laughs> it. This is a whole separate world that we don't apparently live in. In a few minutes, he's like, oh, I don't have a degree. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, not even. Also, group therapy, usually, my understanding is that it's everybody who has the same idiosyncratic illness. Like, you all have OCD. Yes. And this reminds me of what I was talking about during Basic Instinct of looking through a different lens and feeling a certain way about a film based on where you are in life. I was so deeply offended by this film's portrayal of mental illness. I couldn't handle it. I'm with you. The, the the everyone is so poorly written and so poorly sketched that the hyperbole of obsessive compulsive disorder, kleptomania, nymphomania, um, in in uh, like you know quote deviant sexual practices, right? Like the transgender the com- issues, the complete disregard for like the true nature of these issues i was so offended by i couldn't believe that someone had written this piece of shit and got so many stars to be in it like so many important actors are in this film just wall to wall and i was like what is everyone thinking films like this always make me think like maybe the script had something that the execution lacked sorely like maybe there was just something in the execution excuse me in this in the script where you're like Oh, I get it. This is why somebody would want to be involved with this. So we, Justin was just gasping at this really cool stunt that happened when the lady, the poor woman that Bruce Willis was screaming at threw herself out the window after. And, um, 
it's an awesome stunt. And this director also directed The Stuntman, which is a great movie. And it's like, how? How? Like Billy Ray, really, I can't believe. Jeez, Billy Ray. Can I just say one thing, though? So obviously, this woman is now splayed out on some sort of New York street covered in blood. And you see the the scene changing. And, and Bruce Willis now sees the blood as gray. So now he's colorblind. Little known fact, he wasn't always colorblind. No, 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 no. This is what turned him yeah. colorblind. No, it's colorblind is just something that happens. Psychosomatic colorblindness. Well, let me ask you this. So you're, you know, you're a therapist like him and your patient jumps out the window. This has obviously affected you uh, physically. Now you're colorblind, but mentally because you're like, oh my God, are all my patients going to jump out windows now? What would, no, but what would you do? I would take a vacation to a tropical aisle and, you know, sip Mai Tais for the next couple weeks. No. What does he, what does he do? He goes to, Los Angeles to visit Scott Bakula and sit in on his crazy group. Right. But is Scott Bakula like his therapist or his friend? His or His friend. Okay. His friend that's also a therapist. I, I, I thought and, that- and don't forget an author who wrote a very famous best-selling book called Way to Go. <laughs> <laughs> it's I like thought- looking through a keyhole. <laughs> so I thought that initially, but then they went on a few homoerotic bike rides and I was like, maybe there's more to this than meets the eye. What makes them homoerotic? I'm sorry. All the sweat. Is this like, is this like, wait, is this like a real, it, real I'm, Oh, I'm sorry, Justin. I'm pretty sure it was the music that was like, <laughs> and they're just bike riding in presumably Malibu. God. And like in, in scenes that are supposed to be like very intense and it's like, what's going on? What is the real, what is the real deal here? It's like, like what is happening in this movie? I can't. I can't imagine the horror that an actor has to feel when they know that they've dedicated X amount of time and passion to a project, and then sit down at a premiere after talking to people like me on the carpet and going, "God, you know, it was really just a pleasure to work with Richard Rush." And like, wow, Billy Ray's script really was so edgy, and it was like really said a lot about the state of healthcare in the America today, or whatever. And then they sit in the movie, and they're like. From Jump Street, it's like sexy saxophone music. (laughs) God. Sometimes the drama of the music several times is like thunk, thunk. And I'm like, did James Horner just like come back? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then, but that's like a breakfast scene where the music is playing. It's so, it's just all of it is so ridiculous. So back to the homoerotic bike ride. And then just the cabbie. So we know this actor from, he's a character actor, so many movies, and he just. This is what happens in Los Angeles, guys. You instantly get in a cab. And, you know, there's this guy that you don't understand You're, what he's saying, and he gets into a crash. Your Pakistani cab driver is screaming at an accident that he sees on the side of the road because, oh, it's so funny to watch foreign people yell. And he gets into a fender bender. By the way, it's the first of four goddamn fender benders in this movie. Everyone gets it's into a fender Since I joke, Gray. Fender bender. <laughs> so let me ask you guys about group. So... Th- this movie is all about this crazy uh, group that Scott, Scott Buckley's character presides over seemingly once a week. Several several people. We got Leslie Ann Warren, who's like the sex klepto. 
Um, we Brad had Dorif. Brad Dorif, who's the OCD lawyer. We have Lance Henderson, who's his wife and daughter died mysteriously. We have this guy who, his name is KC, but I remember him as the guy who married Dar- Daryl Hannah's character in Steel Magnolias. Oh, wow. Yeah. This right. guy. Yeah. And then you have this character named Richie, who is the 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 linchpin in this whole movie basically and and with i mean it's no no wonder that ricky has problems because of that wig can we talk about the wig for a hot second i saw that wig and i was like i'm sorry what just what got ran over in the studio parking lot and mm -hmm. they put on the head yeah no i mean clearly it was a a diseased hedgehog clearly and AIDS. we thought we got rid of it with basic instinct, but there's, guess what? It's back. There's no business in the front, nor is there a party in the back. So we were left wondering, well, what what what's happening then? What am I am I supposed to feel like a sense of excitement when I see this hair? And Leslie Ann Warren is wearing the Mexican flag. It's all very confusing. And she's can't couldn't be a happier nymphoclepto. She's very happy. She's like weirdly happy to the point where it's like this is, was this a choice that you made when you were reading the script? Or did someone who didn't like you tell you to do this? You know what I mean? Were they like, hey, Leslie, I've got a great idea. You should smile too much and just be really happy about banging and stealing. So at this point, it becomes like an Ag- Agatha Christie novel with oh, softcore sex dare scenes you compare interspersed without. But... You guys have never seen this before. When you got to this point where you're like, okay, they're going to do all these people. They're obviously important to the plot. One of them is going to be uh, the bad guy slash killer who done it. At any point in this whole scene where you're like, oh, it's Scott Bakula or it's this other guy. Or or you were like, it's the weird guy who has the the rug and the the stutter. Of course. Of course. And also, just by the way, another thing that's changed a lot since 1994, thank God, the demonization of transgender characters. How dare you be confused about your gender? Well, right. And it's like, well, obviously you're a complete weirdo because you don't know if you're a boy or girl. And everybody knows that they're a boy or girl. And... I, this isn't it's this isn't normally the way that I see these kinds of things. Like I just look at it as a poor characterization, right? But it's like, no, this is pretty much what we thought of these people. <laughs> we were comfortable saying this on a, in a major motion picture. We were very comfortable with it, and no one gets punished for thinking it. Nope, they even. all get killed, <laughs> but not because they're bad people. <laughs> Speaking of bad people. I have to ask, like, because each one has their 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 own way of obviously being the the baddie here, but like, I have to think that the sorry Scott Bakula is like the worst of them all. Like, they all have their own mental issues. But I'm sorry, what kind of therapist is this that he just sits there and he, he like lets a fist fight break out amongst his his constituent of uh, sickies and then is like, right, all right, good work today, and like just walks out at the end. Well, and uh, you know what it made me wonder? I was like, so in order to have any kind of compassion for other people, do you have to be in a group of people like you? Like, that is that <laughs> what you're telling me with this therapy group? Because everybody has their own unique 
therapy-related challenge, and they're horrible to each other. Absolutely. Like, there's there's no support. There's no love at all whatsoever. There's, like, no understanding. There's no safe place. No, no. It's, like, a very unsafe I'm just confused place. because I, I, I've i never seen a therapy group. Like, it seems like an AA group or, or something like that where, like, yeah. oh, you're also addicted to alcohol. Yes. Right. Yes. I, I, yes. But even then, you get to be anonymous, so there's something. Instead, this is like a, like a Crayola box of craziness. Where like, well, oh, yeah. you're the OCD one. You know, I have a, a sex addiction. Right. You know, maybe and we can learn from each other. But oh no, not. no, we're not trying to learn. We're here to call each other names and be horrible. That's what we're here to do. So that's what I'm saying, though. As horrible as everyone is, I feel like Scott Bakula is the worst of all of them. He just has no control over the group whatsoever. He condones <laughs> violence. He doesn't therapize for a lack of a better word at all so he had it coming so here's my question to you guys as as ladies so we had michael douglas in the first one who was like exuding like sexiness and like you know he's a cop and he's he's machismo and now you have in this movie bruce willis who is the worst therapist ever and he's taking taking a vacation and he's like but i'm still sexy uh, and you know he gets into this whole subplot with this mysterious girl who do you th- like who if it was the two of them and they were coming at you and they were topless and it was like you know you had to populate the earth with your with your children who oh, who would it be because hmm. oh. this what this both these movies the center of it is like this older dude who is banging this younger woman mysteriously who could be a killer or not i've always felt like michael douglas was is Way better in bed than most people. Yeah, of the two, I would definitely pick Michael Douglas, to be honest. Yeah, and that, you know, that's one of the things I've started to notice is that in the past few years doing interviews regularly, it's impossible for my view not to be colored by actually meeting these people. It's yeah, impossible. I'm not, not. I'm no longer impartial. Are you colorblind at all, Gray? Have you <laughs> to deny red is to deny emotion? Is literally a <laughs> that line is in actually this. a C that I wrote down. That's his his older mentor is like, hey man, because you know that can be very dangerous to deny emotion. I feel like this is a quote that your dad would make on his Facebook. Justin's dad <laughs> has like forty five hundred followers, and he says things all the time that are very inspirational to other people. But to say to deny red is to deny emotion because, you know, that can be very dangerous is something your dad would say on Facebook <laughs> with a fancy signature underneath. I, I admire Bruce Willis's, um, I call it crying acting, where he's got to be very like sad about he's like, I'm just broken and I, I need to, you know, I need some time to get myself fixed. And so. Ugh, God, this movie. <laughs> this movie is the worst. Like it it just it's like the to me like especially the music makes it nearly unwatchable like it's just I, I i swear to god gray if the music was better this movie would be improved by at least 30 percent there were right. so many times where i was sitting here and i was like i can't i can't because of the music and i, think I don't it know was what to scored say. by correspondence <laughs> i don't think the person watched the movie i think they just were sending things and they were like, well, we got to put it somewhere. Let's just put it here. <laughs> or, or the director was like, he just like typed out an email and he's like, okay, for this moment, I'm not going to show you the moment, but I need sexy music. For this moment, super sexy music. Now, like- Sunrise. Now, Scott Bakula is a vampire. <laughs> now, Serial. No, I'm not going to explain it. I just want you to let your creative juices flow. Similar to Basic Instinct, this movie also has a lot of mirrors in this movie because... This is one of those movies where it's like themes. Do you ever really know someone? 
she's looking in the mirror now. He's looking in the mirror now. He's looking in a you know swivel thing of multiple mirrors. Ugh. God, it's like you know when I, I was like a TA in college in film classes, and you just like know going into it that somebody's gonna make a Coke on the mirror movie. Somebody's gonna make it. And you kind of take bets at the beginning of the semester who it's going to be. I was always right. Well, there you go. My question is, uh, I like to rank Bruce Willis movies by, um, does it look like... Bangability? Bangability. (laughs) All about bangability, Gray. No, I like to rank it like, does does Bruce Willis look like he gives a shit about this movie? And so I just just rank it by like... Okay, it looks like he really gives a shit about this movie, like Pulp Fiction, yeah, uh, maybe Sixth Sense, and then at the bottom we have things well, like like this. the whole nine yards, the whole nine yards, and then at the Cop bottom out. you're like, he's like, I, he obviously doesn't give a shit about this movie. He just, you know, signed up for this movie so he could have gratuitous sex scenes with a young actress. Yep. So we could see a little bit of his penis in the water. Okay, so we're bearing the lead here, but so. I did another penis investigation with this movie. Because, of course, you did. So, his Google search history includes Sharon Stone's <laughs> vagina and Bruce Willis Wang. Yep. Have fun. Go on. Have fun, U.S. government. <laughs> so, okay. So, this, like, like Grace said, this has, this movie has this, like, it's got to be 10 minutes in the middle of the movie where it goes from he, so he meets this girl played by Jane March. She's very mysterious. She literally just pops out of the blue. He's like, hey, what's going on? Uh, they met in a fender bender. Thank you. Oh, that's right. She hit him. He's One like, of four in the film. If it was like this ugly grandma, he'd be like, ugh, just give me your information and right. let's drive away. But You're the worst. He's like, oh, hey, wh- uh, yeah, I'm so hey. glad we met this way. Doesn't even get her phone number out of her. He gives her his phone number and then she just shows up out of the blue later on. And, constantly identifies herself as like, hey, I'm Rose, the fender bender. <laughs> she looks too young to be bending fenders. <laughs> what was that? Foreshadowing. And then uh, his character has this weird thing of uh, every time she shows up, he likes to narrate what she's doing. It's like, oh, and she's now at my house and she's walking into my life and I'm definitely going to bang her now and Ugh. then we're going to take a break to eat and then I'm going to bang her in the I'm shower so and it's going to be great. Exhausted. But it's like, low 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 energy because it's bruce willis like everything he does is very low energy it's like well i mean I, I guess i'll just like do this and then maybe we'll do this so. yeah i'm just gonna walk across this blue, broken glass right now it's john mcclain whatever bruce willis so what did, what did you what did you guys think of the sex scene so we we saw basic instinct had a lot of sex scenes this one had a little bit less but i think there were more of the ridiculous uh, a kind of sex scene, like almost like showgirls flopping fish sex scenes. I didn't. I yeah, these didn't do anything for me. I no. was watching them. I was pretty bored actually. Immediately with the pool, all I could think of was showgirls and how showgirls was so far superior to what I was. She's seeing. committed, and I mean, probably <laughs> I think fractured her spine also with all the <laughs> flinging she was doing. Either herself. that, or that's how we found out she's secretly a mermaid. Either way, but yeah, there were, there was a little bit less commitment on this part. And also, can I just be honest? Anything that happens underwater only looks sexy, but in practice is totally not pragmatic and doesn't work out at all. So to see him like dining on, shall we say, the fish cuisine down in the water. I'm sorry, water. It happened. And yuck. Yuck. Double yuck. 
So the reason I started my penis, Bruce Willis penis investigation was I went on to IMDb and there was a, you know, you go on there and you're like, is this true? But one of the IMDb trivia bits was basically that Bruce Willis had to have a stunt cock because the director, I guess they did the scene and his penis wasn't deemed big enough for the scene. <laughs> That's embarrassing. And then I like switched around and I'm like, is this only on IMDb? And I was like, it seems to be only on IMDb. Like, is this true or not? And so I went deeper. It was kind of like that movie Eight Millimeter, you know, when Nicholas, <laughs> was Nicholas Cage? I know what Eight Millimeter is. But yes, you remember, he is. like get deep in it. He's like, oh shit. He's like really deep in it. So wait, wait, wait. So I went deep and I was like, I was like, oh my God. And so I you came like across Kevin these. Costner and JFK. And then there's like these. <laughs> Websites that compare the R-rated version of this movie with the NC-17 version of this oh, movie. Oh, there's a whole other version. That's right. Exactly. Oh, great. I hope I can watch that one, too. Which, which one did you see, Gray? Do you know? The R, I think. Oh, then you missed a lot. Okay, so. Uh, I don't know if I missed it. <laughs> so there's a pool scene, and basically uh, in the pool scene, like they collapse into a pool, and they rip each other's clothes off and start like kissing each other, and he starts like sucking your nipples and stuff. Anyway, vis-a-vis, I found this picture online, and I'm like, this must have been in the NC-17 movie, the vision that I didn't see. Look at this picture. Okay. So there's a picture of Jane March's character, like, kissing his leg underneath the water, and right near her face... Is the head of a penis. Is, oh. is, but look at this one. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, get to the right one. Look at that. That's, like, near her nose. Like... Whether that's a stunt cock or not, that penis is like two inches away from her face. It is really close. If that. You I feel sh- like it's like right up on it. A little bit. Hold on. Wait. I'm zooming I out. I feel, especially because like the movement of the water is naturally back and forth. So it's probably just kind of like gently banging against her face like a buoy in the water. <laughs> now, when you, look, when you look at those pictures, dude, number one, you think like that's too sexy for rated R. And number two, are you like turned on in any way by his his penis head almost touching her face i i i don't like you know what's funny is that as a heterosexual female um male frontal nudity does very little next to nothing to me for me do you think that like in terms of movies like this that you see a lot of like vagina and like boobs but very rarely see Male penis because right because we women love sexualizing women because they're beautiful I, and, yeah, and that's they're true, objects. But do you think on the flip side that like women just don't care that much about seeing? Yes. Okay. Yes, hundred percent. I'm with Gray. We don't care. No. We. I. I think if you're making a, a wide generalization, I think that women generally care more about like a dude in a really tailored, beautiful suit, and we're like, what? give me Ryan Gosling in crazy, stupid love, wearing mm. whatever yeah. he wore, any scene of any goddamn day and i'm on board I, th- I mean i think in general we're less visual creatures so we don't it doesn't it doesn't do the same thing for us agreed so apparently maxim magazine named this film sex scenes is the best sex scenes in film history please shut up so what basically basically, please. basically what maxim's saying is that you guys are wrong they're and com- these are super sexy and that but they're you shipping should- bound Bound is a girl-on-girl lesbian film, and it's, like, two lesbian... That's... I mean, that's, there's no denying it. Maxim, like, just has the world's worst researchers working for it. I didn't even try, and I thought of Bound. Have you guys seen that? No. That movie is not only a great heist movie, but it's super hot. So, next up for Sexy September, yeah. Bound. Watch it. Gina Gershon. It'll change your life. I love Gina Gershon. She's great. She's like, a great actress. She elevates everything she's in, and she eat, her character eats dog food in Showgirls. 
They bond over it. That's right. I forgot. And I never understood that moment. Have you seen the actress Jane March in any movie other than this? What do you nope. think? What do you guys think about I was her? Ask has she been in anything other than this? Because I don't recall her. Well, <clears throat> this movie was a prominent movie on Skinamax in the late, yeah. you know, nineties, where you would uh, you, you didn't have that channel. Your parents didn't subscribe, and it was like scrambled, right. and then you have to watch it, and you're like, oh, I think I see a boob, or you know, right. I think we're so I- lucky to even get it scrambled. We had to press last channel on our remote to get it to continue to scramble, otherwise it was like digital blue, just off. Oh, right. So we'd be like. Last channel, last channel, last channel, like with the thumb, like this, endlessly pressing Aww. the button just to get the snow. Oh, analog. She was in this other movie called The Lover, where she was basically, I think she played a French girl who visited China and, and met this guy, and they had lots of hot, steamy sex in that movie as well. So She had a she had a big hurdle in this movie, playing like multiple characters, and I actually oh. think she, now, the most ludicrous twist ever in a movie I saw it coming a mile away, and I'm very bad at, at finding twists. And even worse, but go ahead. And she, I thought, did a great job. She did a lot with very little in in making her characters as different as humanly possible. Because in I was impressed because I I was always like, wait a minute, that kind of seems like Jane March. Is that Jane March? And like, and I was like, it is Jane March. Wow! And it, every time. I was doing that, and I thought I thought she really, God, she she earned that paycheck. That's all I know. I feel so much better to hear you say that because every time I watched Bonnie in air quotes on on screen, I'm like, she looks an awful lot like Rose. That's mm-hmm. just coincidence, right? Yeah, I mean it's coincidence. It has to be because they're not the same person, right? She, I think she did well. It was, uh, you know, God, what a thankless job. Can you imagine putting once again putting all that effort into something and really putting in a good performance? That's sort of like, listen. We we hail Tatiana Maslany for doing that in Orphan Black, right? And this is I don't I wouldn't argue it's on par with that, but I would say <laughs> that it's at least like a like a lateral move. Right. Anyone that has to have Bruce Willis's allegedly penis close <laughs> close to her face several times in a gratuitous pull sex scene. Right. Well, yeah, with the music in the background going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in that vein, INB says, Jane March stated that she wasn't at all comfortable with the nudity in the film. She planned to require the filmmakers to alter some of the film's nude scenes, but she eventually didn't do so because her working experience on the film was very happy. <laughs> Bruce Willis or the other producers wrote this IMDb. Right? She had such a good time. She loved taking all her clothes off. She loved this. She was very, very happy. I can tell you that no matter what. You know what? As a male who is telling truths right here, I will say <laughs> that the pool scene was not very sexy. The, the 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 weird dinner scene after that was very weird. I was like, it's I was like, like, just give me my food and be clothed. I want to put on nice clothes. <laughs> what? But then afterwards, I'm going to say, I'm just going to throw it out there. The shower scene, I was turned on. Yeah, that's not too. That wasn't too bad. That was that was pretty hot. Of the three, I would pick that um, Although, I think that all normal people can admit that real-life shower sex never turns out like that. Oh, my God. Gray, you're my spirit animal. So, I'm sitting here. <laughs> never turns out like the poster nope, that not even. Justin is really enthusiastically pointing to right now. <laughs> no, right? Never We're sitting like here across the, across the couch. It's clickbait. Like, it's like, I want to see this happen. Look yeah. at them. Oh, They're it's... in love. They're having sex in the shower. You know, I heard somebody say recently that if a movie... Uh, 
if a if a movie succeeds, cool. But if a movie fails, it it actually means the marketing department failed. Yeah, because you they should be able to sell you anything, and that's, that's what they did with this film. They knew that it's like you got two hot young kids, and one of them is like one of the world's biggest stars, and we want to see him bang Sybil Shepherd, you know. So <laughs> let's have him bang this other girl instead. You get to see him bang somebody. And now Justin's gratuitously zooming in on this picture of his penis next to her nose. Dunk, dunk, dunk. Yeah, well, she looks hopelessly uncomfortable. Therein too. lies the reality of real sex in the, in the world, in the actual places, because it's like you're underwater, but you're like in your head, like God, I really need to come up for air, but his dick just keeps banging into my face, and I just like want to. I mean, that's I'll, basically the story of my life. I'm just gonna keep keep kissing his knee. I'll just keep kissing his hip bone, and then try to look like I'm really enjoying this when really I just wish we were in a goddamn bed right now until I can come up for air, and then oh wait, we get to go into a shower. Now we're slipping and sliding, and somebody's never the right height. Life will find a way. It will find a way. Actually, you know, we talked about this in Basic Instinct, where like, were, were they really having sex? It looked kind of like they were really having sex. And there are some movies where, like, afterwards, the the history is like they actually really did have sex. In this movie, I was like, are they really having sex? Yeah. Like, they get from the pool to the 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 kitchen to the shower to the bedroom and I'm like I mean they right. gotta at least a little like do they have like fifteen percent sex just there the, just the tip just the tip <laughs> I mean she you know like it gouged her in the eye almost do you know that there was they didn't wear genital pads during this movie apparently nope. at least yeah. in the pool no AIDS right. was not a problem in 1994 everybody yeah, only two, up to like well two years and Michael Douglas had it all figured out <laughs> that's true cured it cured it. So I'm sorry to switch gears here, but I'm sorry. I can't go further without talking about the lieutenant because I don't understand so many things. I don't understand anything really about what's going on here. Are you talking about Ruben Blades? I am talking about Ruben Blades. If we were talking about actors who give their all, who no matter what movie they may be in, like turn it up to 11 Spinal Tap style, it's Ruben Blades in this movie. He's in a whole other film that's basically about this cop who wants to solve this case without doing any police work at all. He basically finds this guy who has the last name Kappa, who is a therapist, and he's like, guess what? You're a cop now. Please do my work for me. <laughs> also, and- <laughs> I am a huge stereotype of Latinos. <laughs> I, and my name is Martinez, of, of course. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's very forceful with his energy. The, the only thing he's missing is a sombrero and like a pocket full of salsa. I, I'm really surprised that <laughs> we are gonna solve this case. Dun, 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 Come dun, to dun, my tortilla dun, factory. Jesus. I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, it was just like that from beginning to end. I remember sitting here on the couch with you, Justin, and I was like, so hold up. This cop just basically walked in off the street and he was like, You cause crime in my city, man? Like, that was basically his whole MO. Right. Well, like, he was obviously mourning the loss of the lead role in Zoot Suit Riot. Starring Edward James, almost, obviously. And also possibly uh, the story starring Lou Diamond Phillips. And how he got passed uh, up next year for the role in Selena, I have Obama. no idea. <laughs> you guys are terrible and racist, and I just want to call that out and say it now. <laughs> I believe. No, you're out of order. <laughs> you. You are the racist. No, the people that made this movie are the unbelievable racists. Yes, true. <laughs> wait, wait, there it is. Look, look, look. See, he's like, look at me. Me 
I'm complicated. Look at these mirrors. I'm going to spin no, around. You, and you know, to his credit, like Bruce Willis, I think, is very committed to this. Like, I feel like he sells it. And Gray, I, I have to disagree with you on this on the scale of does Bruce Willis give a shit about this movie that he's in? No. Color of Night ranks low. I unless it's the sex scenes. It's like, not, I feel like he gave his all for the sex scenes. I think we're still talking. I think we're talking about different things. Because <laughs> I, I agree that he doesn't give a shit. He's just a good actor. <laughs> So he's like, it works. It's the whole thing about his performance is working for me. I just think he can do it with like all one hand and all his emotions tied behind his back is kind of what I'm saying. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I was just kind of jealous during this movie. Like if my, I killed one of my clients, um, I would want to hang out in Malibu, basically free of charge once my friend got murdered. And uh, take right. over his group, and not that's not weird at all. Just yeah. keep staying in your murdered friend's house. Nobody really, like, no, that that's okay. I know your friend. Like, was just oh, murdered. sweet, this is better than Airbnb, you guys. <laughs> but how about you take over not just his house, but his whole life? You can have his car. You can have his practice. You can literally have his entire identity, and none of yeah, us are even going to ther- blame his therapy group. Everybody's cool with that. Well, they're all crazy anyway. No, not even cool with that. How about hey, man? You know what I suggest? You take over that crazy bunch of bananas. <laughs> es un buen idea. This is a terrible impression. This is a terrible it, It's good, actually. Thank yeah. you. So other than the sex scenes um, in this movie, which I, you know, loved. Uh, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> there's, this, there's this scene in this movie where uh, Bruce Willis comes upon, you know, he's staying in his friend's house that was just murdered, taking over his therapy group. Forever? But also checking his mail, apparently, because he comes home from, you know, biking topless and reaches in the mailbox and there's like this rattlesnake in the mailbox. Oh, boy. He's like, hey, hey, Mexican gardener, standing nearby, I need help. Oh, you can't hear me because the leaf blower's on? Oh, you probably don't speak English anyways. It's like the gist of the scene. He pretty much yells at the snake. He's like, I'm not leaving. I'm going to continue doing this until, you know a really long scene i have to say like longer than it ever well it shouldn't have existed but if it's going to exist it should have existed for like a hot second of like oh somebody's out to get me not like let's spend five minutes worrying about the snake and what's going to happen and what becomes of it and what becomes of you afterward i feel that you are you know i don't i could, do you not like this movie you're talking like you don't like this movie That was a rattlesnake music, by the way. So, uh, do both of you are in agreement really? agreement that this is a a bad bad movie and not a good bad movie? Yeah, I I think I would have enjoyed this if I had had a lot of alcohol and like eight times the people in the room. But something tells me that my level of sobriety and my pending nuptials with the man that I love very much made this just like a disaster to my relationship. So I'm going to part company with you, which is rare, and say that this was a good bad movie for me because it was so... All it took was the alcohol, Gray. All it took was the alcohol. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It's so It jumped the shark from like scene two onward, where so yeah. there was no credibility ever. Is there a shark? <laughs> there might have been for all intents and purposes. But there was never a point where you're like, oh man, now it's just taking it too far. Like they took it too far minute two. So at that point, it didn't like usurp any notions of reality to me. And I'm like, all right, well, this is crazy sauce. I'm along for the ride. And Justin? I, I'm in agreement. I, I think this is uh, just on the cusp of a good, bad movie. Wow. And I here, here's the reason why. I think um, just 
the craziness of the group. Um, Jane March giving her all in three different roles. Bruce Willis barely giving a shit, apparently, um, because he's a good actor. Um, and then the ending of this movie, which it, it, it kind of reminds me, you've seen, oh, what was it? Orphan. Orphan. Oh, right. This movie has an orphan-like ending where it basically comes out of left field and you're just like, I kind of respect a movie that kind of just goes totally balls out bonkers with its explanation of like you thought it was like a mystery. Like, oh, it's just going to be one of these people in the group. No, it's not. It's going to be the brother of one of these people who is having gender identity issues mm. and who has basically fucked Every person in the group, and they don't know it. Hey, hey, hey. What? Who called it that it was the brother early on in the movie? Well, yeah, because you have half a fucking brain in your head. Of course it was the brother. Come on! Like, I was very proud of myself. He was the he was the like the the white guy. You're like, what's this white guy doing in the what's movie? The, what's, what's the one? What's the white male that is the only sane person in this movie? What what could he possibly be doing wrong? Oh right, he's the murderer. Actually, maybe I'm completely wrong about this whole thing. And every what this movie's saying is that everyone in the world is a damaged idiot asshole. What was your what was your response and and Steve's response once it got to the point where it's like. Like it's it it takes the Wikipedia page like a full two paragraphs to explain the ending <laughs> of the movie. It's like so here's what happened. So I, the I brother mean, kind of abused the, the the girl into thinking that she was their dead brother and blah blah blah. Thinking into playing. What well, was of just the dead such brother. a? I I well not only did I know that Ricky was the one causing all these problems and murdering people. Right. I didn't I I didn't see the brother thing she necessarily. Care, I way, was like right, oh because it's, his name is Richie. Richie. Is it? Are you sure? Positive. Um. So <laughs> even better. That sounds great. It's not Rich. It's not Richard. It's Richie. It's perfect. Yeah. Dick on her nose. <laughs> I give up. I'm done. I'm done talking about this. You care a lot about this movie. We I, I don't actually. And I, I'm finished. <laughs> now I'm just angry. <laughs> this movie. So we, do we have you on this podcast to piss you off? <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with this movie completely. I'm done with it professionally. I'm yelling. I'm doing that Christian Bale freak out. Okay. You're a nice guy. Okay. But I'm trying to do a scene here. So, I'm trying to do a podcast. But, but if I'd fail this movie for sure. I didn't like yeah. a, like a D what letter grade. So Come Justin's on. Hoping for a D. You're like, I'd fail this movie right. for sure. And I love like, your so optimism. I love your optimism. <laughs> F, 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 F fail. Chris. C. All right, do we want to know what the Mott's... So, Gray is kind of close with Leonard Maltin here. So, My boy. And we talk about him every now and again on the podcast because we have a 2007 Leonard Maltin film guide so next to us. Cat. So, Mott's here gave... He says, a bomb. Color of Night is a bomb. Not the bomb. A bomb, <clears throat> everybody. Lud- <clears throat> he says, ludicrous thriller in which weirded out therapist Willis, whose patient has just committed suicide before his eyes... Heads to L.A. for a breather. He immediately finds himself immersed in a murder mystery and involved with a mysterious march. Much publicized sex scenes aren't very sexy. I'd have to disagree. I'm part of that with you, Mons. You sh- I'm sure you this don't know This garnered hype for the editing um, of Willis's full frontal nudity to earn an R rating. Also on video is an R-rated director's cut with 17 minutes of extra footage, including more of Bruce and the Buff and some sexy scenes with Warren and March. Oh, gross. 
I love that like half half the review is about like the sex scenes and you know penises and stuff. <laughs> that's all. That's almost all we've talked about. So so wait, what did you give it, Chris? I gave it a C, but it really should be more like a C minus D. Yeah, I'm probably on board. Gray hated this movie. I did. I hate. I feel it. bad. I. It's actually been a long time since I've hated a movie this much. We're glad we can inspire such feelings in you. Yeah. No, I'm fine with it. I don't mind hating things. What was the last movie that you can recall hating as much as you hated The Color of Night? Get Hard. Speaking <laughs> of. <laughs> uh, with- so let me say. So I now that I have the picture of allegedly Bruce's pe- Bruce Willis's penis. Did you in ever her put face, it down? Huh? What do you mean? Now that you have it, you've no, been but, holding but it up I'm the like whole I'm time. I'm holding it up in front of you. <laughs> do you been, think like, this is his penis, or do you like? Do you, do you think they? Wait a minute, wait. She's supposed to weigh in as to whether or not this is his penis or a stand-in. Well, yeah, because that's the whole conversation about this movie. They're like, no, his penis was. I need to be says his penis was so small that he had to have a stand-in. That, that's I mean, not a very big penis. I so agree. that's a grower penis. Not so a we're basically thinking this is Bruce Willis's penis. I do. Some people are growers. Some people are showers. Without a without a genital pad, he's probably a grower. Yeah, that's probably him. You know, and it's normal. <laughs> Something about Bruce Willis is normal. <laughs> it's nice to know. So I'm gonna sleep easy tonight. Thanks a lot, fuckers. <laughs> we do what we can. Fuck Hugh Grant. <laughs> fuck Justin and Chrissy for fuck making Gray watch this movie. Fuck you all. <laughs> Slow clap. I'm with you a thousand percent. So glad that we watched The Color of Night. Maybe next time we can watch a better movie and then you'll, you'll, he won't hate us as much as you do right now. You know what? Hey, guys, if you're listening to this, I will say watch, watch Color of Night. It is worth it. If there are things in there that would surprise you, intrigue you, maybe even turn you on. I mean, I, mean, I stayed awake. That is like if they were yeah. to put a tagline on the movie poster for the DVD, re- re- what is it? Not reveal what I'm saying, but you know, of this movie would be like Chrissy stayed awake because that's mm-hmm. rare. Well, you know, Steve and I are closer for having watched it, you know, like soldiers in Vietnam were for having fought. So that was, that was good. That was great. I love that there's just, there was nothing, there was basically nothing redeeming about this movie. The Gray's like F, straight F, nothing, <laughs> straight it. F. I hated it. <laughs> We're sorry, Gray. We're it's sorry. Okay. It's anyway. only because I like you guys so much that I even bothered to stay here and talk about it. Oh, man. <laughs> so let's get Gray out of here. So number one, we have to thank Gray for being here. She's uh, one of our besties. You can find her at Rotten Tomatoes. Where else can we find you, Gray? At Gray Drake. My first name is G-R-A-E. Right, the Twitter box, Get right? The Instagrams, uh, and my show with Leonard. Uh, our next one will be airing in October on the Reels channel, and we'll be talking about. F- I think we're going to be doing fall movie reviews at that point. Color of Night. Oh Gray. my god! Color of Night, a whole special about Color of Night. You and Leonard uh, talking about penises and uh, Jane March's vagina. He liked Shades of Grey way more than I did. Just Maybe to let you know. turn the new leaf. Well, clearly you've got some pull with the malts, so <laughs> you should tell him, Leonard, buddy. You have no idea. Over the summer, I had to do this podcast with these two nerds, and they pulled out their 2007 mm. malts review book and read that oh. you thought the same thing I did and that this movie was a total fucking bomb. I, I, High five. I definitely will. I okay. definitely will. And then he'll go, oh, boy. <laughs> I remember that one. 
So yeah, so you can also so you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Movie Geekcast. You can find us on Snapchat. Apparently, sometime well, the four year old runs the Snapchat, but <laughs> I mean she's our best PR person yet. So if you leave us an iTunes review or rating, we will you know basically have oral sex with you. Justin is ready to like Jane march it up. So if if yeah, you leave us some sort of favorable, hopefully review, he will be like, I'm going to go Jane, Jane march on your ass and find you and love you. And if water. it's not favorable, he'll probably just bang his penis against your nose in the water. Or he'll go Jane march in the opposite way. While I stand in the background and go. We will do whatever it takes, people. That's how much we value your iTunes ratings and reviews. We've commissioned Gray to do sexy saxophone music in the background as we love you with, with our words. Anyway, uh, thanks, Gray, for being here. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun. Love you. You're the best. See you guys next time.